Welcome back to another episode of the Just Effin' Send It podcast with your host, the one and only David Baker. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. It is December 28th. Uh, decided today on a whim of doing a podcast and what the podcast is going to be about. And if you're looking at the title right now, you have an idea of what the podcast is. So, but before we get started, got some, got to crack up in the uh, delicious Sweetwater 420 IPA. Um, before we get started, I got some stuff I wanted to cover, just some housekeeping, some stuff I wanted to get out to you guys, some updates, stuff like that. Then we'll get to the meat potatoes of tonight's episode. First, foremost, like I said, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I did as per usual. It was wonderful spending time with family and all that and giving gifts and like everything that everyone else loves to do and eat. Got fat as shit uh, for Christmas. That's the way Christmas ought to be. I was thinking I was going to get a an ARC, American Rifle Company, Embrace Mount for the Night Force attacker that I have, the 735 that I recently acquired. But instead, Santa came down my chimney and dropped a hot deuce and said, that's all you're getting, you piece of shit degenerate. Um, so no embrace. And uh, so I ordered one. And I uh, got the email. Really excited about it. Got the email today saying that uh, the configuration that I ordered is going to be one to two weeks before they get shipped out and uh, if i wanted to get a refund to let them know or don't do anything and then i'll get it when it gets in so i wanted to call arc and i spoke with a lovely young lady named bella i believe and i asked her see i had ordered the 34 millimeter main tube zero cant in the i can't remember the millimeter shit uh, it was the 1.26 inch, which is their high for the rings. That's what I have currently the Minox sitting in just the rings, uh, the 1.26 inch rings. And that's what I'd order for the mount. And I wanted to see if, hey, is the X high, the one and a half inch high mount uh, available or is it in the same boat? And... Sure enough, it's in the same boat as the insane PO being held up at anodizing right now. So it's not them. The parts are made. They're just their their anodizer is backed up. So that means they are backed up for that particular PO that has those parts in it. But I I was I got to thinking about it and the plans I've got going on for the AI. I was like, you know, the extra little buffer of a little bit higher, you know, rings or mount or whatever, well, it ain't gonna hurt nothing, right? So I said, change my order to the one one and a half inch high mount, and uh, I did try to pry out of her if Ted had done the RMR bridge for that mount yet, and she didn't know, but she did know that. Ted informed her that there are like three, two or three accessories for the embrace mount. New accessories are, are done 
they just haven't been released yet. And by done, I don't know if that means they have been designed or they have been cut or they're at anodizing or what, but they're not available yet. But I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that there's the the bridge for the RMR is one of those accessories. But either way, I'm really excited about it. Two weeks ain't a big deal. Um, I'm not going to have my rifle here soon anyway, so that's like I got to have it. But so, yeah, Embrace, great. It's on the way. I did, however, pick up a set of the, mind you, this is the new hotness now. Me and CL got a pair of the Peltor TEP 300 um, hearing protection earbuds. Right, they're all comms capable and stuff like that. You gotta get all the other Gucci expensive shit um, that I'm not gonna buy. But these are the the new the new jumps, the new hotness. Um, they're gonna be they ha I called Peltor myself, and they're over there in Europe. And to their knowledge, none of these 300s are in the U.S. And the ones that are out and about in the EU are with special operations teams that are basically, I guess, contracted with them or they're doing the, the T&E with them and the, the field testing or whatnot. That's why he said they're doing field testing with them. So he didn't know that they were even here. I got them from a guy, uh, we'll, which will be renamed, which will rename, God damn it. Remain nameless. Um, if you see him on Sniper Side, get a pair because they're legit. I got them. But he got them from a guy in the EU. He got a bunch of them that he sold them here to Sniper's Hide members. And me and this guy in this transaction of me getting these from him, we've actually been broing down. Like he's in uh, not far from where I hunt in Kentucky. And uh, we're going to bro down when I go to Kentucky in the fall of 2022. So we are very similar type people have very similar, uh, interests, fast cars, guns, shit like that. And uh, real cool guy and very good to do uh, business with as far as transactions, buying and selling and whatnot. Uh, he has great feedback on snipers hide, but I was like, when I was the reason why I knew, about where these you know particular models were or were not is when I called Pelotors because I was trying to say, I was like, hey, these, I can't find any info other than like the brochure from Pelotor about these 300s. The 200 has been out for a long time. Uh, I couldn't find anything with the 300. So I was like, is this dude like legit or is he just like scamming people? So I, they were like, and that, which made me really worried when they were like, Hey, ain't nobody got these in the U S and, um, yeah, so he sent me everything I needed for verification that these things are legit, that he's legit. He is who he say he is real cool dude. And I hope he listens, he's listed to the podcast, uh, and I appreciate love him and uh, looking forward to using them. Um, and then what else did I get? Oh, this over the holiday, I had some spare time. So I built, I did some, uh, improvements to the upper room, to the reloading room and to, um, where the, well, the podcast is 
recorded from, which is, like I said, my reloading room. You can't call us a studio. There's nothing studio about it. I've got a laptop and a set of uh, um, headphone, microphone, gamer shit. This ain't no damn studio. This is a reloading room. But I built a nice bench uh, to j literally for storage, for ammo storage. Let's see what I got. I got ammo all the way across the top. It's six foot long, 20 inches deep, I think. The whole top of it is occupied by ammo, uh, all different calibers. Underneath, I've got hand-loaded ammo and primers and such, and then other tools and stuff is underneath it. And then what it was sitting on now has all my match gear, a couple scope boxes, and some little bit of audio equipment that I don't use anymore, all that jazz. I cleaned up. If you have seen pictures of my, or if you have been in my reloading room, it was an absolute disaster, and now it is much more pleasing to the eye. It's pleasing to, uh, more pleasant to be up here. Things have a more organized space, and I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I've got some plans of some other shit I'm going to do up here. I just don't really know how far I'm going to go with it. But uh, the upper room is, is looking mighty fine. Um, what else? Okay, so... Everybody remembers the uh, Vision GCP Accuracy Obsession uh, podcast, which was honestly one of my favorite podcasts that I've done so far. And it, I think it it still holds the record for the amount of first week downloads. Um, it was a great episode to listen to, and it was an awesome episode to be a part of. And I can't wait to have the three, uh, three of the guys back on Sam, Christian, Rick, have them all back on again for future updates. But I have an update. I had me and Rick both have, cause we both have Tikas and that were in Bravo chassis. Me and Rick had the first, I don't know if he sold them since then, sold some since then, so they may be in other people's hands, but I know me and him at one point were the only two in the U.S. to have the Vision 4-end from basically the Magwell forward uh, for the Tika, well, for any Bravo, because actually the shipment kind of got messed up. The shipment was supposed to be for Remington 700 variant um, Bravo chassis, but he ended up getting the Tika ones. So, and, uh, it's, uh, I love it. It, it completely in my, my Tika in the six Creed more is my like North Carolina hunting rifle. And, uh, the, um, I'm sorry. I had to turn this damn phone on fucking vibrate. They're calling me, telling me when my lawnmowers are ready. <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, it's strictly a hunting rifle. This is not a match rifle. Um, I, I just, I like the ability now to run for when I'm, uh, shooting at a hundred or whatever. I don't hunt prone. So I, I doubt I will ever, unless I'm shooting off the roof of a truck or something, I don't know that I'll ever run a bipod on this in a hunting situation, right? I'm not going to go out West and take a six Creedmoor with me, even though I know it could do well, I'm not going to, but it's just shooting at a hundred zeroing, getting data at distance, stuff like that. I love how, I mean, it's just like shooting my AI from the mag forward. I love it. Um, I've got, I even put, it has an M lock down the side. Uh, I even have one of my gray ops thumb rests so that if I'm like in a, uh, 
a box stand or a tree stand and I've got a rail in front of me and I'm running, I've got a uh, pint size go light field game changer that I keep in my pack. I run it that. I can run it just like I will a barricade where I'm grabbing the bag and the thumb rest on the chassis to hold them together and pulling into my shoulder pocket or my, my uh, clavicle area. And I can do it all of what I'm used to doing to where I'm equally stable there as I am on a barricade in a match. Uh, I have that on there. I love it. So shooting it has made me like, do I ever, do I want to shoot this bitch in a match? Because it's a medium palm of barrel and six creed more. I've got my suppressor on the damn thing is match ready. I could go take a, take this thing and take it to a match and probably do pretty damn well with it. It only weighs probably, I ain't weighed it, but Hell, it probably weighs, it's sub 12 pounds, but it really doesn't recoil bad at all. Even for a six cream more, it doesn't recoil bad. And it's only more uh, match conducive now. I would never even dream about it with the Bravo, the, the factory Bravo forend. I wouldn't. Could you? Absolutely. And we're going to get into that a little bit here in the... Um, in the episode of the, the meat potatoes, what this episode's about, but given that I have other options, I would never dream of it right now. It's gotten me thinking, I love the way a Tika runs and it's just a, it's a vision chassis with a more traditional stock style, uh, buttstock and the thing feels freaking good. So I shot it. Wanted to shoot it kind of positional-esque, so I shot it out of my window here in the reloading room at it's you know, a little over 500 yards, and damn, the thing just felt so good. So keep your eyes out at gcprifles.com or gcprifleco.com. I forgot exactly what the website is, but you can Google it, and uh, you'll find it. Look for updates. Rick right now is in Texas as we speak, trying to kill uh, a monster South Texas whitetail. Um, so good luck to Rick. If you're listening to this, hope you killed one, buddy. Um, yeah, so there's that. Another thing I wanted to get into was yesterday and today, a, I believe he's probably special needs person on Sniper's Hide. Apparently his wife ordered him a PVA tripod. I didn't even know Josh had any more tripods available, but apparently he did. I talked to him today about it, and yeah, I was like, man, damn, I didn't know you had any available. But his wife ordered him a tripod, and obviously both of them severely lack reading comprehension and deductive reasoning. So in the on their website, on Josh's website, it lists the things that the tripod includes. A ball head is not one of them. Nowhere on the description or anywhere on that website does it say that the tripod includes the ball head. It has a picture of a tripod with a ball head with a Minuteman rifle or a, a Bighorn TL3 action rifle in a KRG chassis with a scope, that's it's all in one picture. Now, just because it's in the picture, do you think you're getting the rifle with the fucking tripod? No. So this guy gets his tripod on Christmas morning, 
but has no ball head. So he calls on December 26th. Now, if you remember, Christmas the 25th was a Saturday. He calls and emails on the 26th to get no reply. Not to mention, did he fail to look at the website where it says where call hours are? They have limited hours that they take phone calls because, well, it's Josh running the machines and Joe is manning the phones and he's the one who's shipping your shit to you when you buy it. So if one of them is not doing their job, then no one's doing it, right? So that's why they have set phone hours. So he gets on Sniper's High and he decides to well, try to take a hot steaming dump all over PVA publicly for a very easily uh, taken care of and um, sorted out matter, you know, private, it should have been done privately. Now he took it public, he went to the street with it. Well, I guess he was expecting for everyone to agree with him and let's take our pitchforks and our, our torches up to Pennsylvania and go beat down PVA's door and look and ask him where his ball head is. Well, he didn't quite get that reaction. So the uh, the patrons of Sniper's Hide decided to uh, very bluntly show him the error of his thinking, and the error of his reasoning, or the lack thereof, and to which his reply was he found a, I don't even remember what website article about the PVA tripod. Mind you, this is not a PVA article. This is an article from a third party about the PVA tripod that had the ball head, not to mention was three years old. Josh said he hasn't had ball heads for two years. Like he hasn't had his own tripod ball heads in his possession at PVA for two years. So obviously they're not included, nor does it say anywhere on the PVA website that tri- that the ball heads are included with the purchase of a tripod. So Josh gets up there and was like, hey, I've responded to everything you need to. And the guy then says he wants to get a refund and send the tripod back. And Josh said, okay, we can do that. But there's going to be a percentage of restocking fee and credit card fee. The guy wasn't very happy, so he decided to start a second thread with his experience with PVA. To which, to his dismay, got equally or greater owned on that thread. And I commented, said, you know, buddy, you're in a quick, fast, and a hurry way of becoming a subject on a podcast of mine. Um, I thought I might wait for, uh, Josh to come record an episode, but no, I decided I can just talk about it here, but guys, look, don't double down on stupid. This guy, I promise you, if the thread didn't get locked down, I promise you he would still be thinking he's in the right. Like he just says, I just want the problem fixed to which another user said uh, very accurately. So you can't fix stupid so that your problem is not going to get fixed. You're stupid. And uh, look, guys, you're not going to bully companies, okay? Especially in the firearms industry, um, the social justice warrior playbook does not work, okay? You can't say, I'm going to go and tell everybody on the internet that this, it's not going to work. 
especially when you are 100% in the wrong. You or your wife. Your wife is defective. Her reading comprehension sucks as bad as yours. Y'all need to get that shit figured out. Um, but I'm not going to say the guy's screen name. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know his real name, but his screen name, I'm not going to do all that. If you're on Sniper Side, you can go find it yourself. But it's amusing, to say the least. All right, anything else I want to get into before? Okay, yep, 25, Creed more plans. So, listen to what my reloading debacle was when I was bored. So, you know, I have two barrels. One that I've been shooting the load with the 135s, and then one that I've been shooting the load with the Blackjack, the 135 Burgers, and then the 131 Blackjack Aces. Well, I don't know when or if any more aces are ever going to come available. I hope they do because they're a wonderful bullet. And I've got about 700 left and I've got like a thousand on back order, which I don't know what's going to happen to that. Um, but I have like 2000 of the 135 burgers. So I wanted to see if I couldn't find a, a load to shoot for the burgers in the Rock Creek barrel that I've only had a blackjack load done for. So I shot the, they both have the same, the 135s and the 131s both share the same charge weight. Um, the 131s in the Rock Creek shoot amazing. And then the 135s in the other barrel shoot equally amazing. Uh, just that the Rock Creek barrel is about 60 feet per second faster. So I wanted to shoot those in that. Um, the seating depth for the original burger barrel, if you will, will, does not shoot well at all in the Rock Creek barrel. So I did like a little ladder test seating depth and I found one that one three shot group shot good. I said, they're all being perfectly acceptable it's all right cool i had 60 rounds left over from the other barrel that i then all i did was seat them in to that same depth i should have shot more at that length before i went and reseated all of those because i did I, after i'd done that so well, let me just well, i got time I'm, i got nothing else to do took them out there and shot them at 100 again and that was not a very good representation of what the first group that I shot at that seat and depth did. It was horrible. So I was like, oh my God. So instead of going further in it, and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna put the original barrel on it that shot the burgers. I pulled all 50 or 60 of those that I had just reseated. I pulled all the bullets and put them right back at the original seating depth, which is 2.105. No idea where that is in relation to the lands. I have no, I've never measured measured the throat of this barrel. Um and uh, then I proceeded to load 250 rounds at that um, seat and depth. And that is the barrel and load that I'm going to shoot the Frontline Fury in oh, with in February. Let uh, Ted Hoger, Jack Master, he's coming here, staying with me. And we're shooting that match together. And uh, CL, Jeff, we're all in the same squad and everything. Uh, we're gonna have a good time and Hey, we still got some spots open in well, the whole match period, but in our squad, if you're wanting to, uh, come to North Carolina, shoot a great match. The frontline fury is always a good match. Uh, you can come squad with me. I think I'm in squad nine. I believe there's like 
probably five, six spots left um, would be my guess. Uh, so that does that. So let's get to the episode of what I wanted to cover. New shooter gear list. Okay. If you've listened to other podcasts or you've listened to other shooters, maybe you've been to a match or maybe you've shot a match one or maybe two, and you didn't really have much to begin with. You had a rifle and ammo. That's about it. You know, you've heard different mantras or different ideas. You can either buy what people tell you to buy or you can try other people's gear at a match and see what you like like let's say you've got a squad mate a who has a we bad mini fortune cookie bag i'm gonna just use an example right you shoot a stage with that one okay i know how that one felt now now your next stage okay squad mate b has a tactical utter and you shoot that piece of shit um and you realize it sucks so you know what that feels like i'm not buying that one and then squad mate c has a uh, a game changer full size or paint size or whatever right and you're trying them out as you go that's a great way to do it that way you've got hands on now there's other options like well i have shot almost every bag known or I, I i you can listen to somebody whose opinion you may trust right um and everyone's going to have preferences you may listen to this episode and then buy a piece of gear and you may hate it right or you may buy a piece of gear that that i don't mention and you may love that or whatever it may be the case but it if you've got it, if you believe in me at all, I have, I have tried and bought, I have spent a god awful amount of money on shit that I, I, I never want to put a pen to paper and add this shit up to what I've spent in this sport from start to finish. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a good guide. Now, this is for a couple of different shooters in mind. By that, I mean, you can be, have never shot a match. You could have shot one or two matches, but don't have a lot. Or maybe you do buy, do have some that you've bought that you don't know if you're really that big a fan of and you're looking for options. Or you're either one of those and you know that you're okay with spending a bunch of money. Like you're, you want to go ahead that buy once, cry once. Uh, I'm going to buy, don't care how much it costs. I'm going to buy the best shit I can get because I know that well, A, I know I'm gonna love this sport, or B, it doesn't really matter because you are balling out of control, right? There's people like that. I know people like that. People who have shot, you know, no further than 300 yards and then they went out and bought an Action National AX, right? Well, what the fuck? You could do that with a, a off the shelf Savage, right? Something cheap as shit. Uh, but they got the money, that's the type of person they are. Hey, great. I've got something for you too, right? Or to someone who wants to literally get the entry price shit, right? You want to get the something that'll work. It's not going to be the best, but you also know that because you're trying to, you know, pinch pennies maybe. Uh, That's cool too. There's people who they, even if 
they've been shooting for a year now and they've shot many matches, they're still that way because they say, well, hey, look, I'm on a fixed income or a lower income that I can spend on this or it's just a hobby that I don't, it's fun to do, but I don't really care about really uh, bettering myself in and this amount of money that I have spent or plan on spending is going to be enough. Hey, there's there's all walks of life and all ways of looking at it, right? And I'm going to try to give options for all of those shooters, okay? And I'm going to go through, like, this is what, you can pick and choose of this, of what you think you'll need or what, you know, if you want everything or you're going to piece it in, you know, maybe year by year or something like that, great. Do it however you can. I'm just giving you options, right? This is going to be like the Walmart of shooting shit where you've got a lot of options, right? Okay, let's start. Um, obviously, we'll start with rifle, right? So an option for that budget-minded shooter, like super budget-minded. Um, I know, have seen a lot of people that have that have bought the Howa 1500 platforms in the, I think they offer one in a Bravo chassis, or they have their own chassis, comes with like a, uh, what's it called, like a, what was the name of that buttstock that it came with? I, this one just hit me. I wasn't even going to bring this one up, but for the budget-minded person, this is a, a good route. Um, Luthayar. I think it was called, I don't know. It's adjustable. It looks like it's ugly as shit, but it's adjustable, all that stuff. That thing comes in pretty damn cheap. All right. And that is about as cheap of a rifle as I would go in. But then you've got like maybe one little step above that would be like a Bergara HMR. Um, Bergara has really kind of taken the, 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 the market on by storm with the amount of offerings. It's like they've got, you know, three different barreled actions that can be in like 12 different stocks. I mean, I'm just, obviously that's hyperbole. It's not, well, maybe 12. Fuck. I don't know. There's a, they've got a bunch of them, right? Um, here locally in Greenville, uh, a store here is called, uh, Carolina caliber that used to be called Colts gun and pawn. They are, I believe one of, if not the biggest Bergara, like brick and mortar dealer in the country. So I've, and I, I grew up with the entire family that owns it. I've known them since I was a kid. Um, so I've obviously spent a lot of time and money in there. Um, but they've, they've got like a ton of, a whole wall of Bergaras. I'm like, damn, how many rifles does a Bergara need to release? Well, let the market dictate that, right? So you can look it up. Just look at the Bergara line, right? Um, I've had one. My opinion, the pro... The Bergara Pro line action of the of the actions, I think it's the Premier, excuse me, not Pro, the Premier actions. Those would be, if you're going with a Bergara, that's the one I would look at simply because the one that I had, the regular B14 action, is I actually shot my first match with that action. And let me tell you, about it was a one day, I think six out of the ten stages, I had at least one. Uh, failure to extract um, or if it did extract it would not eject it somehow it would flip it around and put like the case head down into the chamber it was a, a complete fuck show um, like your first match probably will be so uh, but the premier now CL had a premier action and he never had any of those issues 
So it's a different action. Like it feels different, looks different, and I think it just operates better. Uh, but I know people that have had the, the regular HMRs that have the, the non-premier action. Uh, the HMR Pro has the premier action that they've had no problems at all. Now, as far as a hunting rifle goes, I mean, how much are you going to really rely, be relying on speed feeding and all that stuff? Like it's a great deer rifle, right? Um, but as far as match use, I wouldn't skimp and I would probably go with the premier action. The next level up would be probably my, my favorite production line action is a Tika. Okay. Um, the Tika tack a one is it's a chassis configuration. It's great. Um, but don't be scared to, uh, this is all if, if you don't, if you just want to buy an off the shelf rifle. Okay. The Tika Tac A1, and I think they've got a Tika, what is it, the is it a UGR or something like that. It's got more of a traditional style stock, but it has a uh, adjustable uh, cheek weld, which is great. Um, the, the adjustable cheek weld, folks, is now pretty much industry standard. You don't, I don't think I've seen anybody in the last two years that is shooting a match that has a non-adjustable uh comb you know, your cheek piece right because you know everybody's face is different heads different your scope rings are different all of this is going to be determined on how high your cheek weld needs to be and you know you may find yourself looking through the you know underneath your scope when you put the rifle up to your face and you're like well shit i can't see out of my scope or you're looking over at the top of your turret when you should be looking in your glass because it's you well your cheek weld is too high um so the adjustable cheek uh, comb piece is going to be your best headache saver when it comes to stock chassis fitment. But do not be scared. What I want to say was do not be scared in piecing a rifle together. Now, you're in luck that in the year 2021 and for the last few years, the world of prefits have blown up. Uh, almost any uh, gunsmith worth their salt offers a prefit for multiple actions. Not all. Because some, you're not able to do so. But a Tika is one that you can. Um, I know, of course, PVA. Mine's a prefit. Um, I've had two prefits. You can even get a, a barrel nut system. All you need is a, a go and no-go gauge. Boom, you're off to the races. Um, which, uh, getting a go and go-no gauge is uh, not a bad idea, no matter if you're getting a prefit or a, um, a barrel nut system. But for a barrel nut, when I had a barrel nut barrel... Um, I didn't have a go or no gauge. I had a loaded factory round, and then I'd put a piece of scotch tape on the bottom of a case head for my no-go because um, there's really that much difference in the go and no-go. So um, that's an option, right? You just need a few hand tools to be able to torque these things on, barrel, uh, barrel vise, all that stuff, and you can really go from a factory um, level rifle with the factory barrel to a, I mean, basically a one hole gun custom level with just a Tika action and a aftermarket, uh, match grade barrel. Uh, I know proof, uh, proof barrels, they offer prefits. I think LRI does sawtooth. I mean, there's a ton, any most reputable gunsmiths that are out there today, or they offer prefits for many actions, including the Tika. 
Um, now, if you're wanting to get now, if you're on the Gucci side, so like I said, there's going to be a lot of these things are going to have entry, mid, and Gucci level price points, right? If you want to go full on Gucci, you know, I want to build the nicest rifle that I can. Well, then it's like, holy shit, there's a, a, a billion different ones you can go with, and you probably would be happy with all of them. Obviously, I'm an Action National fan, but you don't have to have an AI, right? Um, obviously, Impact is probably the number one sold action or custom action right now in Precision Rifle. Yeah, Impact, Lone Peak, both of those are basically clones. Not much difference between two. I, I believe both equally are... Um, nice like the same feature set you probably i don't know that if you close your eyes and you cycled one and the other you'd be able to tell the difference in them um you've got uh let's see what's another good one arc american rifle company every one of their actions you got the nucleus i've had two um loved them just sold one because i just wanted one rifle and i'm shooting my ai that's the only reason why i sold it it's probably i mean i put that that rifle up there with any rifle on the planet it was so butter i had it in an mdt chassis um with a rock creek barrel um let's see i've had a number of different triggers in it and they're all great you can get into all of that right so then you've got the mousing field action if you want the 90 degree bolt throw you've got the archimedes action which that's their newest action uh, that's got a proprietary bolt handle system uh, to for extraction. Uh, you can extract any any case. You'll actually, if it can't be extracted, that action will literally pull the damn case rim off of the uh, piece of brass. That's how strong you can get with leverage with it. You can Google it and figure it out. Go check out the website. You've got, let's see, a um, number of different GA Precision, the Gap Templar. Um, you've got... The, I mean, you've, there's so many actions. I'm not going to get into all the custom actions because we'll be here all fucking night. I could do an episode just on custom actions. Um, but that's your route, right? Find you a good gunsmith you that you, you uh, trust and you like, who's highly reputable. Like I said, PVA. You've got GA Precision. He, you know, George Gardner is a, a staple amongst the precision rifle community. He's been around for 100 fucking years. Uh, you got Dave Tooley. You've got Sawtooth. You've got. Um, mile high, you have uh, Swift Creek here in North Carolina, right up the road from me. Swift Creek, uh, um, Gray Sloan's an awesome dude. You, there's a, a number of different ones. Just go with one that you see you like the reviews of, right? They're all good. Um, now, get you a quality barrel, which good news for you right now, they're all quality barrels. I mean, benchmark, proof. Rock Creek. I've got a fuckload of Rock Creek barrels. Um, love them all. Uh, you've, I mean, Bartland. Obviously, Bartland's a staple. Shit. You can go through. There, there's no such thing right now as bad barrels. Okay. Your, your biggest difference could be gunsmiths, honestly. Um, and make sure, tell the gunsmith, hey, this is what I'm shooting. This is what I want to shoot. This is the ammo that I want to shoot. Now, because of that and because of the ammo situation we are currently in, and if you're looking to do this next week and start this start this process next week, you're having to deal with something that maybe the guy last year or two years ago didn't have to deal with, with this ammo fucking crisis, okay? 
My opinion when it comes to caliber. Now, let's say you do not give two flying fucks about hand loading, right? That'll probably change, but let's say you're dead set. I'm not hand loading right now, okay? So, obviously, factory ammo. So, you've got, my opinion, three or four options that are going to be productive for you in a match setting, right? To where the top shooter in the country could take any one of these four calibers and go win a match with, right? You're not going to win a match with it because you're new, but the the cartridge is viable, okay? Obviously, you're 6'5 and you're 6 Creedmoor, okay? There's going to be more ammo for that than probably any other caliber for a match setting, right? It's been, Those two cartridges have been around the longest. No, I'm not saying 308. I'm not recommending 308 for this person. Just not. I love 308. I have 308. I think every American should have at least one 308, either barrel or rifle, in their possession. But not for shooting matches with, unless you want to shoot tack class, okay? But trainer rifle, great, 308. But what we're talking about here is for... I'm going to go shoot a match tomorrow, right? What am I going to do? Six, six, five, cream more. Your six cream more, obviously, it's going to be your faster, flatter, um, lighter recoiling, but the the drawback from that is barrel life, okay? I'm going to say this. Um, this is nothing new. Barrels or tires, correct, they are. This been, That phrase has been used forever, and it is still equally true. Um, don't worry about barrel life. Okay. A barrel is just a barrel. They're going to go out. Everything has a shelf life. I don't give a two shits about barrel life when it comes to picking cartridges. There's other much, much more important, um, attributes or aspects to a cartridge than the barrel life. Much more important. Okay. But six cream more, six, five cream more are your two biggest ones. The new kids on the block is, hey, we're on the street. Hornady is going to be producing 6GT factory ammo. That's nothing new. But what you may not know, which I just found out about um, the other night, thank you, CL, that Hornady is releasing a new bullet for the GT, which I'm sure is going to phase out the 108s. They have a 109 ELDM coming out. The difference is a ginormous difference in BC. Uh, the BC is like... On the 108, or the 108, the G7 is like 270. And then the BC on the 109, one grain difference in weight is like 290 something, right? It's going to be a monster BC for weight class. I think it's even going to be better BC than the 109 Burger Hybrids, um, which I love those bullets as well. I've got some, I shoot them, whatever. But that's going to be cool. And they're going to be, I'm sure, phasing them into the six Creedmoor as well. And you can probably say bye-bye to the 108. Um, I, this is what I would do for this crisis that we're in with ammo. Before you pick your cartridge, see what ammo that you could find and buy most of right now. And then buy that ammo. And then, hey, I'm going to get a six Creedmoor. Or I'm going to get a 6.5 Creedmoor because, hey, I just got three cases of Prime 6.5 Creedmoor or Hornady 6.5 Creedmoor or Federal Burger Loaded Ammo, all, whatever. That, to me, guarantees that you don't go, all right, cool, I got a 6.5 Creedmoor. I got the rifle here. 
well, fuck, I don't have ammo. I can't find ammo anywhere. I got this rifle that's now a doorstop because I don't have any ammo for it. If you got the ammo first, the rifle you can get any time. The ammo is what's the scarcity right now. That's just an idea that if I was doing it over and doing it right now, that's what I would be doing. Is I'd be finding the ammo first and then picking the caliber of uh, rifle I'm going to shoot based off of the ammo that I found. Also, you have your six ARC, six ARC, whatever. I don't remember what advanced rifle cartridge. I don't know what the hell it stands for. Uh, it's out of a bolt rifle. It's definitely a good choice. If you've got like a 26 inch bolt rifle in this, you're really not that far behind what a uh, 6BR can do, right? It's going to be the closest thing to factory loaded 6BR as that you're going to find right now. Um, that is, I think that'd be a kind of cool cartridge, uh, pretty cool cartridge to play around with in a bolt platform. In a gas platform, yes, cool too, but that 2018 to 22 inch gasser is not going to compete next to a 26 inch bolt rifle, right? It's the same ammo, but that four inches or more of barrel and obviously reliability of feeding of a bolt rifle as opposed to a gas rifle unless you're running a Seekins or a JP or a Geisley, you know, when you do a Lego build, it's not, it's, I don't care who you are. You do a Lego build. It's not going to be as reliable feeding, uh, as a, a bolt gun, right? That's neither here nor there, but that's another car. Those are the four cartridges that I would be looking at right now, regardless. Okay. Um, okay. So we, we did rifle slash caliber. Um, let's go with chassis. Cause if you're, do go if you are going down that build route or at bare minimum pulling a a a barreled action out of the stock that it came in and just dropping it into a chassis okay um you have your entry a good entry uh would be the the krg bravo or the x-ray both from krg they're great you've got the mdt xrs that's a good entry level. I think it's like $100 more maybe than the Bravo is, maybe, give or take. Uh, but they're still in the same genre, right, of, of price. Those are two that I'd look at. Um, you've got um, a little bit above that. You're looking at the XLRs, the XLR Envies. Um, they may still make the XLR uh, element. That may be one they still offer. That's going to be in that lower budget area i believe as well maybe a hair above what the bravo is um you've got that option now there's really not a mid level i guess chassis it's either that level which are very viable you can make those work um and then you've got basically they're all gucci after that there's a thousand of them to go with the ones that i've found i've liked the most Obviously, the I mean, I've just been talking about them. The uh, vision, accuracy, obsession stuff. The the vision uh, chassis they have a full chassis, and I am in love with the buttstock, the rear section of that chassis. Um, the uh, and then the from the magwell from the magwell forward as what I have on my AI and on my Bravo. You can buy a Bravo and then just change that out and you got what I've got and it feels really good. Like I would definitely not hesitate to run this rifle in a match. Um, it actually would be uh, a good backup rifle for me to take. Um, if somebody was there, their rifle went down and hey, look, this is viable. Go shoot it. And they may, then they love it, right? 
Um, or if I just had a wild hair and I wanted to shoot my hunting setup in a match, it'd be a great, it'd be a really good, if you, I put a little bit lighter weight scope on it, uh, it'd be a really good contender for the NRL Hunter Series. I know I could get this bitch. It's already under the open, which is, I think, 16 pounds and under. I bet you a dollar to a dozen donuts I could get this thing in the lightweight category, which I think is sub 11 pounds. Um, that would literally be changing the optic, maybe. And bare minimum, putting a different barrel on it, like a uh, proof um, carbon barrel on it. And it's definitely under underweight. So that's an option. But like I said, I, you could load weights on this thing, weight it down. Um, I know there's companies out there that offer uh, weights for a KRG buttstock. It basically goes their plates that go in between the actual stock and then the butt pad to help weight the rear end in, uh, down if you want to do a more balanced um, situation. You've got that, okay? Um, now, I also have had MDTs. Uh, I love the ACC chassis. I know they're coming out with a Gen 2 ACC coming up. If you're in, if you're like, if you're liking the Gen ones, wait, maybe wait. Let's you can get a really good steal on the Gen one ACC. Once you wait a little while, probably after if they're even going to do a shot this year um, or whenever shot's supposed to be, the wait until they drop that, and you may like that better. Maybe they've got some things thrown in there that no one thought of or they didn't think of when they made the Gen 1, that they're improving. I don't know. I have no idea what's coming out with the Gen 2, but the Gen 1 is awesome and it's widely used. I mean, any you go to a match, there's at least one in every squad. The other obvious choice is an MPA. Now, you got the MPA BA, which I don't remember what BA stands for. That's the one that I had. And that's been like the standard one that everyone has had or has used. Great chassis and... Phil Cashin is all he is doing is just innovating and he is, you know, innovating to where his new stuff he comes up with can also be retrofitted to his older stuff, which is great. Um, and then he's coming out with new chassis, the matrix, you know, the first time when I first saw the matrix online, when it was released or whatever, virtually online, the first time I laid eyes on, it, I was like, that thing is ugly as fuck. I don't know why I thought that immediately. I thought the, butt, the, the rear section was ugly. And then the more I got looking at them, I was like, they're not ugly. Like, I actually start to like it. And then uh, I started seeing them in matches and in person. I was like, I actually really do like that chassis. And then CL got one, and I got to play with it, shoot behind it, get behind it, uh, run it on, ran it on a barricade. I really like the chassis. Like, it's, it's just, it, it'd be a hard contender between if I was building another custom right now between a vision chassis whatever the gen 2 uh mdt would be in an in a matrix like those are my those would be the three that i'd be choosing from now let's say you don't like metal chassis and you're more of a traditional stock feel well manners there it was the mct i believe i don't keep up with a lot of what the acronyms are because well i mean it doesn't apply to me because i don't need one but the, I think it's the MCT. It's their, their high-end manners. That thing is as, as about as modular as you can get, and it still be considered a stock, not a chassis, right? Like, it's like a fucking hybrid, a, a true hybrid of, like, a chassis stock. And those things are badass, okay? Then you've got foundation, which I don't think there's a more beautiful stock on the planet than 
a um, foundation stock. Uh, you've got the Exodus. I had a, I had an Exodus. You've got a Genesis. They've got like four different ones, five different ones now since I had mine. And they're all badass. And they all serve a purpose. They all have their differences. You can go to their website. John Kyle uh, Pruitt is a awesome dude. Awesome dude to talk to, deal with. There's a great company. Um, they are uh, out of Oklahoma. And you can't throw a rock in the state of Oklahoma and it not hit a foundation stock anywhere there everyone runs them and they're all got impact actions and they all got either tangent thetas night forces or um schmidt and benders i don't know with bartland barrels right or benchmark barrels it's like that's like the standard to shoot in oklahoma you got to have that and the thing is they all look good i mean they're all just amazing rifles uh i know jeff's got like 12 foundations and he loves it i loved mine um, I just, I'm just a chassis guy. I just love the chassis and the modularity. Um, you know, the, the downfall, I guess you want to say with foundation is to get it just right. You got to kind of do it based off with weight distribution. You gotta, you're kind of stuck with doing it with your barrel contour, which is okay. Um, and he'll, John, uh, John Kyle will, will explain this to you like hey run this action or really any action the action doesn't really matter but they're really tight with impact so him and tate street are real tight and business kind of business partners um unofficially I, I believe but uh they they are always together they're always doing shit together and their rifles are just their actions are like made for impact i mean for uh, foundation stocks but he'll he's like, hey, look, you're you're gonna need this profile contour barrel with this length of barrel, um, this, that, and the other. You've got Arca rails that go on the bottom of them. There's weights that can go because see, like the fore end has got a honeycomb where you can actually add little like octagon or hexagon shaped weights inside of it. But you know, that's about as much as you're gonna get with it. And I'll tell you what, though, you can get them balancing beautifully with your barrel contour and that. And then a uh, buddy of mine, Kyle Ponce. Now, I'm going to butcher. I don't even know what this is called. Look up. He is hooked on brass on Sniper's Hide and on Instagram. And uh, he has made a Arca, and I've used it. In fact, I've, I've used it on a stage at Pig River and uh, the prototype, and it works beautifully. And CL has one of the production models um, on his Matrix. And it basically attaches to your Arca Swiss rail on the bottom. And it is a thumb rest for you to have that to grab onto, kind of like what I was talking about earlier with the Gray Ops thumb rest that i've got on my m lock well see the m lock runs the length of the forend on my chassis well you don't really have that option on a foundation there is no m lock um it's got a wide forend for stability but you know you've got an arca swiss rail on the bottom of it that you have and this thumb rest goes on the arca swiss and you can move it as forward or aft as you want um for your arm length or whatever and it is 
perfect for it. The thing works gorgeously and it looks good too. So um, look up Hooked on Brass on Instagram. You can hit him up. He's probably got a website. I don't know what it is. Sorry, Kyle. Love you, buddy. I don't have your info to plug you, but I wanted to plug you anyway. Um, but that's your option for foundations. But like I said, there's very, I, I can't think of a stock or chassis that's more beautiful than a foundation stock. Um, and then the people who have them fucking love them. Let's see. Um, I, I mean, that pretty much covers, of course, there's more chassis out there. And if I didn't mention the one that you use, sorry, fucking sue me. Um, but those are the ones that I've had the most. I and mean, I've had an XLR, a couple of XLRs. They're great too. Um, the KRG Whiskey 3, I've had that one. I'll tell you what, the new the new hotness from KRG of the whiskey in the whiskey line is fucking awesome. Phil and Kaylin both have one. Uh, my buddy Scott Whitehead, he has one. Be looking out. I don't know if they're on their website or the ones that they currently have, but if they're not, they will be. The new KRG Whiskey 3s are fucking tits. They're they're nice. So if you if that's if you like that, go that route. Um go look at them. Uh but those are all the the ones that I've had the most experience with, okay? Um all right, so I think I beat the chassis horse dead. Um let's see scopes. Now this is the for some fucking reason, scopes is the most like debated and sensitive subject when it comes to like rifles and shooting long range precision shit. All right, look, there's an M I, we could do a podcast just on scopes and other people have, um, if you want to listen to a good one, you listen to the modern day sniper where they had, uh, the dark Lord of optics. And he is a wonderful, uh, that's on uh, YouTube and sniper side. He is a wonderful resource when it comes to scopes. So I would suggest, because he does budget shit, Gucci shit, like top of the line. He he does every gambit, LVPOs, red dots, anything involving an optic. He has tested it or is going to, compared it, comparison between the five top dollar scopes on the planet he's got them done i mean you know what i'm saying and he is the so that's a really good resource i'm just gonna go over what i know and uh what i have had experience with but i do highly suggest uh it's as koshkin on uh sniper's hide but just get on youtube dark lord of optics amazing channel super in-depth in everything the guy is as knowledgeable about optics as anyone on the planet so he's a great resource um budget optic man what a i think the budget line of optics is the most saturated part of the whole optic market which is a good thing for us as a shooter i mean you've got vortex you've got Arkin, which that is a whole nother thing. You've got Athlon. I think Arkin is the new Athlon. I mean, Athlon still exists, but as far as the whatever, I've got an Athlon. I've got the Cronus BTR Gen 2 on that Tika. It's about to come off of it and it'll probably be for sale. So great scope. I have no, no complaints with it. I've just got better, different plans. Um, so if you want it, 
hit me up somehow. Um, uh, let's see. You've got who's got budget line shit out there? Track T R A C T optics. Um, there's a ton of them. Uh, the SWFA. I've had a number. I still have a, a straight ten. I've had the five to twenty HD. Great scope. I shot a match with it. I had it on, then moved to a hunting rifle, and went to a gas gun. Uh, I sold it to help fund something else a year or two ago. Um, SWFA, to think about them, they're hard. You can't kill them, and they track, period. Done. Okay. Uh, so you've got all of those uh, as options. you got the Vortex PST Gen 2 is a good budget line. One step up. I've never owned one, but I, I think everybody else on the, on the planet has. Um, the uh, new Vortex LHT, it's a hunting precision match crossover scope. I think it lends itself better to the hunting side. That's what's going on that Tika when I buy one. So, um, that's my plan. It's smaller, lighter. Um, it's just more hunting friendly than a Kronos BTR Gen 2 is. That goes up to like 30 fucking power, something like that. Um, 28, I can't remember what power is on that scope. Um, anyway, that's one to look at. Now, Jeff just shot a, the Guardian match with his. He, now he, after that match, he shot it with a, like a 12 pound PRC, 6.5 PRC. Hand loaded with 156 burgers. So he shot a match of that and that, that scope. After that match, he bought like three more or four more of them scopes. So that tells you anything. Now, they're all going to hunt rifles. Well, because he's got night forces on all of his match rifles, right? So great. You're not going to compare that Vortex to a night force. It's just, well, you could compare it to the night force SHV, which is another option. The SHV is uh, another crossover you can shoot a match with them or take them hunting scope that's a great option is that shv and a lot of people love that scope um i have been behind i've never like owned one or shot them in a match or anything but i have been behind them and for what they cost and their 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 durability and all that stuff it's a great scope um, I put them and that vortex kind of in the same genre, if you will. Um, and they're, I think the night force is actually a little bit cheaper, um, than the, uh, vortex LHT is the new razor. And it comes with the LHT is a razor. So it comes with razor glass or whatever, uh, Japanese glass instead of Chinese or Philippines. I'm not sure where the, I think it's Philippines that the l lower, line of um vortex scopes uh glass comes from i think it's philippines um but i uh, believe yeah, the razor comes from japan from the low factory and then you can get into like a mid-tier um mid-tiers the two that probably stick out the most are the leupold mark fives which is probably the only leupold that i would tell anybody to buy for long range precision shooting um honestly the the pr2 reticle is the uh, that john pinch helped uh develop and everything him and a couple other guys i think morgan king as well they all had input that 
reticle is a kick-ass reticle. It, it really is. I, I didn't think I would like it at first, um, the idea of it, but then thinking about it further, how it has uh, 0.25 instead of 0.2 all the way to, to one mil. Um, it has It's a pretty cool design if you think about it, and it does clean up a reticle pretty good. Um, and just shooting it maybe for a day, you could really – I could really see getting used to it and then be able to see the benefit from it. Um, but you've got Louisville Mark V, and I know there's a ton of people shooting them and a ton of people winning matches with them. The same goes for our Razor Gen 2. The Razor Gen 2 is probably one, to date, I would say, has probably won more matches than any other one scope. Um, everybody that's shooting that shoots for Team Leupold now. I'm not talking about people who went and bought them. I'm talking about sponsor shooters that doesn't pay anything for their optics. Which cool, good on you. No, no hate for that. But a lot of the people that were on Team Vortex are now shoot for Leupold because Leupold probably made it a little more lucrative for them. And I'll tell you, the marketing has paid off because. There are a ton of Mark V uh, shooters out there, people who buy those scopes and absolutely love them. Um, you know, no, it is not going to compare optically um, to a zero compromise. It is not going to compare optically to a tangent theta. It's not even going to compare optically to a Minox or Night Force Attacker 7 to 35. It's not. But you're not paying those prices for them either. Um, that's the trade-off, right? You can't have your cake and eat it too. When it comes to optics, there's going to be gives and takes, right? You can no one's going to make a zero compromise for a uh, Leupold price point. It's, it can't happen. They physically can't make it for that. So um, you got to look at it which way now. Do you want a good scope that is going to track, that has good enough glass, that has a good reticle, that, you know, isn't going to lose at zero when you, you know, go up and bump it on a barricade? Then your Vortex Gen 2 Razors and your Leupold Mark Fives um, are going to be the two top contenders in that vicinity. Um, now, this is with... This is going to be also based off of what you're going to buy it from a, you know, uh, a mile high for or an Altus for whatever company you're going to buy a scope from, not like used street price, right? Like what you can find in the PX on Sniper's Hide. That kind of changes everything because if you go with used optics, I have bought more optics used than I have new. Um, simply because in this day and age, the optics are great and people take care of them. So you're, it, it, there's really no difference in it. Um, your biggest gamble is that making sure that the person is selling something that they're saying they're selling, right? Instead of say, a scammer or whatever. But as far as the optic itself, I have zero issues buying a used optic. You do that, you can get it at a greater discount. Um, you know, and then you're going to get into the um the top tier i guess you say well let me back up back to that middle middle line the night force 5 to 25 attacker that is going to be 
a now that the seven to thirty fives have come out. I think you can pretty much. I think the night force attacker is going to be at the upper end of that mid price, that mid tier optic. It's going to be price wise, and I think it's equal to greater than the other two options. But it's a night force. I mean, if you like any of the reticles, um, that to me the f- tracking reticle choice, then. Uh, glass quality, then features set. That's in my order is what is most important in an optic. Whether I'm buying a $700 scope or if I'm buying a $3,700 scope. Those, that order. Because that's what is to me and what to most should be what is most important. Tracking your reticle, because that's what you're looking at the whole time. That's what you're going to use. That's your ruler. That is how you're going to how you're going to uh, execute a stage. Maybe is with that reticle or what you're able to see because of clutter or lack thereof. Your clarity without the clutter, whatever, however you prefer to shoot with um, that reticle is super important. But if you dial to eight point one and it dials eight point four, that is, I don't give a fuck if you can see the future in it it does you no fucking good other than maybe having to offset the error, figure out the percentage error that is, and and then input it into a calculator. As long as that error is repeatable, then I don't want it, but it's doable. I That's, that's a no-go for me. I need 100% tracking. But if it was 101, 102, 99, 98, you can't offset that in your ballistic calculator depending on what program you're running. But... Uh, if it's not repeatable, meaning it does not go back to zero, it's it's to me. I'm I'm getting rid of it. I'm sending it back to wherever it came from. So tracking number one, reticle number two, number three is then the glass quality. I, you know, all glass can kind of look good in a certain condition, but when you are in non favorable conditions, whether it be low light, whether it be in heavy mirage whether it be in a sun coming directly into the scope whether it be whatever there's different uh, you know color where what the background is the contrast the resolution all of these things are going to come to play with what you're seeing in you know a lot of that or not all of that is going to be based off of glass quality and lens coating um and you can just tie coatings into the glass quality. So that's, you know, number three. That's Those are the top three things that matter. And then, you know, like I said, you know, features, you know, if it has a zero stop that I like, the turret system that I like. If a, if a scope has mushy turrets, but everything else is money, that's not necessarily a deal breaker for me. It's not ideal, but it's not going to, no, fuck that. It's got a little bit mushy turrets. No, if I can dial to where I want to dial the first time or close to it, you know, uh, within my margin of error of, of overshooting or undershooting a, a specific uh, dope on the turret, then I'm fine with it. Now, some are more pleasurable than others. I'll tell you, the Minox has a phenomenal feel with, I have a white box Minox. Um, and it, the turret feels awesome. I love it. And I love the zero stop feature of it. 
Um, I love the zero stop feature of a Night Force. The clicks feel great. I don't think the clicks feel as good as my Minox does, but a zero compromise has amazing uh, feel of the turret. Now, some have locking turrets. That's a feature, whether you like it or you don't like it. I, for one, am not a big fan of it, but it also, I've, the Vortex Gen 2 Razor was a locking turret. I dealt with it, you know. Uh, locking windage, I'm fine with, but locking elevation, I'm not a fan of. Uh, it um, That's going to be something that you're looking at, whether you do or you don't like it. So uh, now, if you want to get into your upper tier, you have a handful, a Schmidt and Bender, was it used to be the only player really i mean as far as top tier i mean every even still today glass is compared to whether greater than or less than a schmidt and bender pm2 that tells you something even today the year the damn optic is 25 fucking years old or 20 years old it still has back then and today amazing glass um, the only question with Schmidt and Bender is, do you like the reticle choices they have? And I have seen a lot of newer, I say within the last few years, um, PM2s have tracking issues. Do you like the, the turret on the Schmidt and Bender? I mean, it's this Schmidt Bender is going to be a, a wine that has a very preferred taste, but no one can deny that that a um a schmidt mender's glass is wonderful it's great glass um then you've got your you know your collis collis you know i've had uh one or two collis i have one or two i know i've had one i had one and one collis i had the 624 um and they have now the five to twenty fives, and they've got a different five to twenty, like a couple different five to twenty fives. Collis are great scopes. I love the um, the parallax knob is at the bottom of the elevation knob, and then you have left side of the scope windage uh, for right-handed shooters. Um, I love that. Uh, they have the skimmer three and skimmer four reticles. All of the skimmer reticles are great reticles. Um, the skimmer three has been one of my favorites out there. Um, but the thing with, uh, Collis is, you know, they operate the ones that I've had experience with operate flawlessly. The big push off of Collis would be how much chromatic aberration, which someone can explain else has better explanation of what's going on with, with CA, um, but it's basically, especially off of like bright white, uh, targets, the edge of those targets, it looks like a rainbow coming off of the, if you don't care about CA and if you claim that you can't see CA, then it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. You, know, you can get a Collis and you'll, you'll love it because there's really other than CA, I don't know of a single thing that I don't like about a Collis. I think if you're paying that amount as far as like MSRP or retail for that optic, um, I believe it shouldn't have CA with that, that at least that much CA. Um, but everything else about the scope, you may not care about the CA. Everything about else about the scope is very worthy of 
its price point and is a super great optic. So there's a lot of Collis haters out there. I'm not a Collis hater. Um, I, I did see the CA and I wasn't a fan of it, but did it, did I miss any targets because of it? Absolutely not. Nor will you, you will never miss a target due to chromatic aberration. Um, that is just going to be a user preference. If that's something that you care to see, that's it. That's all CA is. Um, so you've got Schmidt Bender, you've got Collis, you have, uh, Night Force, obviously. It was it was the 5 to 25s, uh, the attackers. And when they dropped the 7 to 35s, it's like, oh, it then I think pushes the 5 to 25s at the upper end of that tier two that we talked about. The 7 to 35, I have one now. I have shot through CLs. He has one. Uh, he's had two, sold one for a zero compromise. Jeff has got like two or three. And uh, I've spent time behind them. I I I loved it. Uh, I didn't need it when I bought this one, and I still haven't shot through mine yet. But I didn't need it when I. But I, I came across a good deal on it, so I bought it. Um, and I wanted to try it versus my Minox, and I'll get into Minox here in a second. Uh, the uh, the seven thirty five has top tier glass. The reticle choices are going to be your, I don't know if they, I think they do offer it in a mil R. A mil R is going to be your, uh, which I think is a mil R is a great hunting reticle. I really do. I had one in a five to 25 and I had one in a three to 25, oh, excuse me, a three to 15, uh, first local plane in excess, which I kicked myself in the ass for getting rid of that I've mentioned before on the podcast. Uh, that's going to be your crosshair reticle with half mil increments all the way out to, I don't know, like six mils or something like that, um, up and down. Right. Um, then you have your trimmer three reticle. I've had one. I've talked about it. I hate it. You have your mil C, which is going to be a non Christmas tree, but it has a, uh, you know, two tenth increments on the horizontal stadia and the the uh, vertical stadia as well. Uh, really well thought out reticle for people who don't want don't care for a Christmas tree style reticle um, that like holding wind but dialing for their elevation. Uh, uh, floating center dot. The mill XT. I, I I think you can still get a horse reticle like a fifty nine H fifty nine. You I think you you can get that in the seven to thirty five. I know you can in the five to twenty five. And then you you've got the mill XT, which is what I have. The mill XT is a very well thought out hybrid. I think it took the best part of a H fifty nine and then the best part of the mill C and made them into one. So it's not super busy. It's not too busy at all. Um, you know, some people think, you know, Christmas tree reticles in general are too busy. Obviously that's not the general consensus, but you know, so of course some people have maybe said the, the mill XT is too busy. It's, I mean, my opinion is not, uh, look at the reticle online, see if you like it or not, but the seven to 35, is there is a night forces flagship premier model um great like i said great great glass uh tracks 100 percent 
Uh, super durable. Take the damn scope off a rifle and beat someone to death with it. Uh, put it back on, return to zero, right? It's one of those things. Or at bare minimum, steel tracks. Uh, they, I mean, they, I don't know of many optics that have been as tested, you know, by the manufacturer than a night force. I, I really don't. That That's why they have the reputation that they have. Now their mantra, rugged, reliable, repeatable night force, right? There's your commercial night force. Um, because all those things are true. Um, then you got my, my, you got my Minox, right? My Minox is that the Minox is not as popular in the United States because Minox did not market over here like they did in the EU. Um, they are an Austrian optic company. Uh, they have uh, shot glass from, from the shot uh, factory there. Um, shot glass is also where Tangent Theta's glass comes from. And we'll talk about Tangent Theta here in a second. Uh, they... Um, that the MR4 reticle that's offered in mind, I think there's an MR5 reticle as well that I think is a really cool concept. Um, they've got multiple reticles that I'm not as familiar with, but the MR4, since its inception, has been my favorite reticle that I have seen across all the um, scope manufacturers. I absolutely love it. Uh, the glass is impeccable. Uh, it's a... I mean, it's a pleasure to look through. I'm talking resolution, color, um, contrast, uh, clarity, everything. is. It is a beautiful piece of glass to look through. Um, the turrets, the, the zero stop is one of the easiest, like, dummy-proof turrets you can get. I mean, period. It takes an Allen wrench, and you're done. The, the, the turret doesn't even come off. Um, a lot of scopes, you... You know, you zero the rifle, you use your Allen wrench to pull a skirt, the skirt, the turret um, cap off, put it back on zero, your turret zeroed, right? This one, it doesn't even come off. You unscrew it, spin it to where it is with no clicks, tight, put it back to zero, just tighten the screws down, you're done, right? Um, and the zero stop follows it. Like, you don't even have to really fuck with the zero stop unless it's underneath where your zero is underneath where the zero stop currently is, right? Um, which is then stupid easy to to fix that as well. Um, so I love the turrets. I love the um, the feel, the the clicks. With the white box, there wasn't a problem with the black box, the original ones. It was people didn't like way it was by design. When you get to the second rev, it is a lot huffer time breaking it into that second rev from the first rev um but it was by design but people bitched about it so they lessened that with the white box right um and they uh it's it's it, i've never spun the turret on a black box one but listening to people with much greater knowledge than i do about optics they're like it's not a big deal it's just it was meant to be that way, but you just may not like it. Um, they fixed that with the, the white box. So if you ordered a brand new Minox right now, that you'd get a white box. And it would have the different turret feel. And I believe the clicks are more tactile on the white box than the black box. So you don't have to worry about it. If you're buying used, expect that. But it, in my opinion, shouldn't shy you away from the optic. Um, the iBox, is, is, to me, is super easy to get behind. Uh, the, um, 
the parallax is my only, if I had to pick a bone, it would be my only bone to pick. The parallax is super forgiving. By forgiving, I mean one setting goes a long ways, but unforgiving is by that, I mean the turret is, the parallax turret only goes 180 degrees. So you've got to fit a long range of adjustment in 180 degrees if you're going to do that, right? So if you've got it set at a certain yardage to where, uh, let's say you parallaxed out at 300 yards and then you wanted to shoot your next target at 1100 yards your adjustments in between is like whoa like that went it came in and out of focus fast by turning the knob yes it is it, it most definitely does so what i did was and it doesn't have like a yardage uh marking or indication on that it has like a a try I've, I've mentioned it on a podcast prior to this one um but what i did was i took uh, a thin piece of white tape and put it over the markings of the parallax and then I went to 100 I set it at 100 I took a little pin and put a mark there and wrote 100 went to 500 and guess what I'm parallax free all the way out to 1200 yards at the 500 setting so I have two parallax settings and I, I'm parallax free at 100 and then from 500 and beyond and really at 100 It'll probably that I haven't really tested, but I believe it's still parallax free out to like 300. So, so I could just put it right in the middle and that's in the middle and I'm done at a match in a match setting. I'm putting it at 500. And I'm leaving it all day. I'm not touching the parallax. So, and I don't have to, cause if I check parallax, well, it's not there. So that's their, my catch 22 on the parallax with that. Um, now the problem with my knocks, I, mine, tracks 100% true. There are reports of there were some scopes out there that did not have a tracking uh, did not track 100%, right? Um I think that might be why the used market is so the pricing of the used market is so friendly for the buyer, okay? This is like a $3800 optic or 30 something $100 optic. And you can get them all day for twenty one hundred shipped to you, like brand new condition for twenty one hundred. So like fifteen hundred dollars off, right? But I think because of that now, with that said, if you buy a new one and it doesn't track, you should track test every scope you buy, no matter if it's a Night Force or a Zero Compromise or Minox or a Leupold. Track test them. Um, there's YouTube videos how to do that. Uh, but if it doesn't track, send a bitch back and get a new one. Um, a quick tip, a pro tip. If you don't feel like track testing it and you're not in a dire hurry for it, get your new scope, open the box up, send it back to them and say, Hey, this doesn't track. Well, guess what? They're going to track test that scope. If it tracks true for them, they're going to send it right back to you. Well, then you know, your, your scope's tracking, Right. Uh, they're not going to purposely send you back one that does not track. Um, and then you've, you've basically had them verify it for you. Or if it really didn't and you were lucky in saying that it didn't track, well, they're going to send you one that does track, right? Um, or just run it your damn self. Or if you buy a used one, ask the person, hey, a lot of times say, hey, look, I've track tested this scope. It tracks 100%. Very few people in Sniper's Hide are going to say they track tested it and not because the off chance that 
the buyer track test and said, bitch, this thing does not track. That's going to go in bad feedback. So I haven't had that problem is all the used scopes that I bought. So, but I would say don't let a couple scopes uh, that ha had that happen to shy you away from it. But if it does, great. You've got other options. If you're looking at spending Minox money, uh, you've got other options as well. Now, that gets me to my two, the two which I think are at the top of the cream of the crop. Zero compromise and tangent theta. If you better drop $4,500 on a scope, um, yeah, go get your tangent theta. Top of the line glass, period. Eye box, from what I've been told, a little finicky. I've got behind one. I've never shot one. Uh, turrets are toolless, a zero. Like, there's no tools involved. The turrets are what every scope company should aspire for. Um, that's great. The zero compromise is going to be right underneath that as far as uh, price-wise. But, hey, uh, some people have said that they're, the zero compromise doesn't give up much on the glass apartment from the tangent theta. So, you know, good news for zero compromise. Um, they, um, the turret system is great. It's got a lock. It's got a uh, locking turret, but they offer now, if you don't want it locking, they can make it a non-locking non turret. And if you currently have a, a locking turret, they can send you a part like a shim or whatever to make it a non-locking turret as well, which is cool. Um, they've got a number of different reticles. Uh, they've got the impact, the impact two, which is right by right now my favorite the impact three which i'm not a fan of the impact three x which i like a lot more than impact three uh whatever the, like i said um reticle is going to be the user's choice uh great scopes amazing glass great reticles tracking perfect awesome company um they were a conglomeration of uh like night force uh employees and collis employees kind of all wrapped together um and uh, they have been a kick-ass company, and I can't say enough about them. Uh, every every zero compromise that I've looked through has been fucking tits. So if I step if I step up from either of the two scopes that I got right now, no doubt it's going to be a uh, a zero compromise. Now the little one that we don't know anything about yet right now, I don't know if this will belong in the tier one or the tier two. Will be the Vortex Gen three. Apparently, allegedly, it's got better glass, which it was the only thing, in my opinion, lacking um, on the Vortex Gen 2 was it could, in Heaven Mirage, it was a problem for me, some here in the Southeast. Um, that was literally the only thing other than the, uh, the shitty dick brown color that I've never been a fan of. And I hoped for the Gen 3 that it was going to be black, and they didn't. It is at least the prototypes right now that I've seen that I know Dave Preston had. I know um, Keith Baker had one at uh, this year's um, AG Cup. And Allison Zane had one as well. So a lot of the Vortex shooters out there were shooting them. That All the photos have leaked. The uh, turret patents have leaked. It's a zero tool. It's a toolless um, zero mechanism turret, which is awesome. That is really cool. Um, apparently is an EBR 7D reticle. Honestly, it don't look much different than the C or the B, in my opinion. Um, but time will tell if it's going to be, I've seen $2,800 straight price thrown around. We don't know yet. It's all speculation. 
it could be a $3,500 optic. More than likely at that point, if they're, they're charging, Vortex is charging that much for it, it probably is going to have really top tier glass in it. Um, and then it'll be where it belongs up in that top tier. Or it could be, hey, it's just one step above the Gen 2 Razor and still at a very affordable price. Uh, either way, I feel it is going to be a really kick-ass scope to buy regardless of what tier you're looking at buying. I think the Gen 3, more than likely, based off of my experience with the Gen 2, uh, it's only going to be upgraded from there. So I really feel that it's going to be a, a, a home run for Vortex. So bravo, Vortex. Proud of you guys. I just wish you took the shit Dick Brown uh, off the scope because there's just no call for that. A black scope looks good on any rifle. Um, all right. I'm tired of talking about fucking scopes. Um, rings, a good budget entry level option that I know are going to be good are like night force ultralight. Uh, those are going to be the ones I know there's a ton of them out there, different ones. I know MPA has got a mount. Um, I know, uh, it was a zero Delta. That's a, a, a good mount. I know Hawkins rings are a, 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 a you know, home run for rings, um, I think they may have a mount as well. Um, you know, I've had spurs and spur mounts and ARC rings. Uh, I'll tell you the spur mount was great. It's, it is what it is advertised. Uh, it is, it is worth what it cost. Um, you're looking at like $400 for a mount from them. They also have rings. I have no experience with their rings. I have also have no reason to believe that they're not just as good as their mount is or mounts are. Um, my, I have ARC rings on literally every rifle of mine, except one simply because I didn't have any of that height and I needed some for a rifle right away. And I have night force ultralights on those and I love them. The ARC rings and what will be the embrace mount is my opinion, the easiest suggestion simply because they do as advertised and they're the easiest ones to mount a scope in because it is the only vertical split ring on the planet that works. Um, everything else is going to be like budget AR shit and they don't work. Um, they don't, they, they bind, they don't let your scope hold a zero. They can shift. They it's, they're no good. The ARC rings are my opinion, the easiest suggestion for anybody. Um, they are well worth what they cost, and they're not even that much. The The embrace mount is $279 as opposed to a $400 spur mount. Um, is it better than the spur? I can't say. I have. I don't have it, um, but I can say for 100% certainty it's easier to mount an optic because it's two fucking bolts for the front and the back, one each. And it is like the most dummy proof way to mount a rifle. Um, so I'm, I love ARC rings. Uh, let's see. That's enough about rings. Uh, where do I go? Um, so I'm going to go with bags. Okay. This is, there's a ton of bags out there, but it's really not hard for the suggestion. Okay. Rear bags. If you're talking about just a dedicated rear bag, where am I at on this podcast? An hour 35. Fuck. Um, for rear bags only, I've had tab gear bags and I loved them. Uh, my dog ate, literally my dog ate it. It somehow got left outside and my dog shredded it. Um, 
And then I came across um, Precision Underground. I had the first bag that they came out, and I, it worked. I just wasn't a fan of how full the bag was, like the amount of fill. I liked the fill that they used. I didn't like how much they put in it. Well, now they've got one. I'm trying the ELR Pro, I believe, is what the bag that I've got. Uh, Frank Galley helped them. Um, I've talked about it before. I gave one away um, on the podcast. Uh, and I l- absolutely love that rear bag. It's the perfect size. It's the perfect amount of fill. And the fill they use is the best fill for a rear bag. Bar none, hands down, that is the best rear bag. If I was going to a belly match, that's the only bag I'm taking with me is that one, right? Um, so now that's that's not as a flooded market as the front support bags. There are many bags out there, and I've had most of them. The only the two that I'm going to recommend most are gonna be kind of like the most jack of all trades. Um type bag where you can kind of use them in if you if your your one option bag your one bag option i meant is going to be the um game changer medium wax canvas game changer medium heavy fill okay and you can play with the amount with that bag and i think all of the newer generation game changers you can adjust the fill easily with there's a spout that folds back in and when i first got it I was unsure of how that was that spout on the inside was going to feel. Honestly, I forget that the fuckers in there. Like it is completely a non-issue. Um, they knocked it out of the park with that bag. Um, the 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 fill in it is. I love the heavy fill. They've got it comes with a bead fill as well. Um, that is the my first suggestion. The good thing about bags are there's not a budget or a Gucci like selection no, it's just their bags so you're, you're gonna you're gonna they are what they are and you're gonna buy whatever bag suits your needs better and then the wax canvas mini fortune cookie uh heavy fill um both can be used as a one bag solution rear bag front support um all that stuff right um i've i've got more matches uh under my belt with a mini fortune cookie I think over a two by four style or size uh, prop that you're going to shoot off of, I believe that the mini fortune cookie does do better than the wax canvas um, medium bag. That's on a two by four. Maybe a pipe. See, because I learned from the guys that we bad when I back on Instagram, they liked my, they started sharing my photos that I posted when I had Instagram. Um, and I was talking to them about their bags and everything. And I talked about how I didn't like it, it. It folded. The mini fortune cookie looks just like a fortune cookie. That's hence the name. Uh, if you've never seen one, if you go over something very thin, uh, like a piece of thick steel, like, um, plate, if you will, um, there's a couple of barricades, like the Kestrel barricade. It's only like half an inch wide. And you're putting stuff on it to shoot out of portholes. Of the, it looks like a giant kestrel, like an eight foot tall kestrel. And all the buttonholes where buttons are on a kestrel are holes that you're shooting out of, right? This thing folded to where it didn't do shit. Like I was like, literally, my surface area was nil, and I ate 
a bucket of shit on that stage. Talking to him about it, like, you know what? We've actually learned from a few of the other shooters, flip the bag upside down, and then it pivot, the the, the bag will then pinch on the metal, the thin prop that you're shooting off of, but the whole bottom side flattens out, and you've got literally like, like 10 inches of surface area underneath your rifle. And holy shit, that does work. And it works very well comparatively to the, the alternative. Um, pipes, it works pretty good on, I guess. But literally everything else, everything else, rear support, any other, a rock, you know, anything else you're going to be shooting off of, I really feel the Schmedium beats it. I really do. Especially as a rear bag. Like if you're having to use one bag or like one stage that you're shooting prone and shooting off of a position, don't carry two bags. Use one bag. Um, and it does a better job of being a rear bag than this does. But also uh, turning the game changer on its side, it sits up a little bit higher than this does. I've had clearance issues where I was shooting the damn side of a door of a minivan I was shooting through on stage at uh peacemaker um it just it sits up higher on certain situations where you may need it i just think all around if you looked at every box um to be checked off of a bag i believe the the schmedium checks it off better those are going to be the only two front bags i'm going to recommend um the old solo sack, the short action precision solo sack, it still has a place. It's really good for like a skill stage, but it has, I use it for shooting out of my window right here. I'm looking at mine right now and I, I've shot probably 20 fucking deer off of that bag here at this house. Um, but I'm never taking that to a match anymore. I'm not doing it. Um, not that it back in when it was created, it was the it was the bag to use. But now, like, there's been so much shooter input, and with modern day stages, it's kind of been phased out. Um, so the uh, pint size game changers have their place as well, but I think the Schmedium is a right size to where it's small enough to where it's not ginormous but bigger to where it's more forgiving and, and does provide more stability than the pint size does. Um, I know for a fact uh, Phil and Kalen both run their pint sizes a lot. I think they both have Schmediums too, but they run their pint sizes a lot, and I know Phil's a big fan of the pint size. He's also a better shooter than I am, so um, that's that. Uh, let's see. That's enough for bags. The biggest two I want you to take away from is the Schmedium Heavy Fill and the Mini Force Cookie Heavy Fill. Uh, let's see. Packs. Packs. You're going to need a pack pack to carry your shit. Okay. Um, you can go as simple as like a Jansport backpack. Right. You don't have to have a giant bag with a scabbard and all that shit. You don't have to do it. There's tons of packs out there that you can spend as little or as much as you'd like. You can go to a something like an academy and in their like tactical section, if that's what you want to call it, where they sell their AR shit and they've got like voodoo. I don't remember all the brands of bags. They've got some dragon shit. I don't know. They're cool too. They'll work. Um, 
And if you look at the compartments, you need to think of, A, what am I taking with me to a, a, a normal run-of-the-mill match? Uh, can I put my shit in it? And then is there, do I like the division of the main body? And do I like the division of pockets to put smaller things like maybe a small, like a, like a fix-it sticks pack, um, which I do suggest you getting. Um, uh, your pencils, pens, dope cards, batteries for a Kestrel or whatever little small things that you may need to be, have that. How Organizational. Only your, everyone's bag and pack is set up differently, right? And there's multiple different high-end and, like I said, academy uh, tier packs you can go with. Me, personally, I've had probably four Everly Stock packs. Now, they're not the lightest of packs, but your average PRS NRL match, you're not hiking damn 12 miles, right? This isn't the Mammoth. You know, the, the mammoth match. This isn't the uh, um, competition dynamic shit where you're hustle and bustle, running, rucking, and you're cutting toothbrushes in half to save weight, whatever type situation. Uh, that's not a typical PRS match. Everly Stocks, I love as a company, um, even more so now than I did. I mean, I've, I've had, that's been all the packs that I've bought in Everly Stocks. Uh, different ones. I currently have the Little Brother. Uh, I think the Little Brother 2 is what I have, and I love that pack. Um, I've had multiple different ones. Again, preference. Look at the size. Look at the compartment breakdown. Uh, what suits you? I love them more now as a company because of a podcast that I just listened to. It's a Phil Craft Survival with Mike Glover, um, and he had the CEO owner of Everly Stock on. They are from Boise, Idaho, and I love his thinking. He is a former A-10 pilot. Uh, he is a former Olympian uh, biathlon shooter. He's a former ski racer uh, and a really cool dude. I love the way he set up his company and all of that shit. And he, he made, in the podcast, he brought a lot of things to light that I didn't even think about when it came to manufacturing. Um, and they've got cloth a clothing line now. I'm really a fan of the company too. So that's always good when you don't just like the product, you like the company. Um, they are as pro 2A as any company is going to be. Um, he says that we want to be the um, pat no, the North Face, but with guns. Like he loves guns. And in fact, he even has rifle stocks that he's made in the past that he's thinking about bringing back out, um, like hunting stocks, stuff like that. Um, but he is definitely pro the shooting sport sniper um section of whatever branch they've got deals in fact mike glover was talking about when he was a green beret sniper them getting their first uh everly stock kit and they like how much they loved it and how much it was a a dramatic improvement of what they had initially and all that jazz um so everly stock is a company that i can really feel good about um suggesting to you guys uh and also if you have an expert voice account um their own expert voice i bought almost every pack from expert voice and got a big discount on them um so you can too if you got expert voice if you don't know what that is fucking google it and you can see if you're qualified to have an expert voice account mm. 
All right, ballistics. So this one's easy. If you want to use a handheld, get a Kestrel. Uh, you can either, I have a, I've had a couple, I have a Kestrel Hornady that I really like. The only thing I don't like about it is that I wish that it had the elite options as far as the multiple gun, like infinite gun profiles on the Kestrel instead of the three that come on the 5700 Sportsman with, with applied ballistics. This also only has three. So only thing different in it really is the engine, which is Ford off versus applied ballistics. If you like applied ballistics, you can get it in that or the Hornady, whichever one you prefer. Um, you can get custom curves with the uh, Elite, uh, the most expensive one. I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine them them not coming out with something even cooler in a year or two than the fifty seven hundred Elite. Um, but I'm sure they will. So look out for that. Uh, also, hey, you can do the free route. You can get the Hornady Ford off app on your phone. You can get the Shrelock app on your phone, Shrelock Pro. I run Shrelock. I run Hornady. Um, I've got literally every ballistic profile, I mean, a, a ballistic program on the market I have on my phone. Um, and they all pretty much, they all have their different ticks and, and ways to set them up. But when you set them up right, I can get everyone, every profile that I have on there, I can get them all to match each other and match my real world, world data. So try the free ones. If you only have a phone, um, get one, uh, look at the different apps down them, see what the interface, the biggest difference is going to be interface, the user interface, which one is more friendlier for you to navigate and easiest for you to, um, to true yourself. Um, by true, I mean, making your data match what that real world, I hit that, that target dead center with seven and a half mils and then truing it to where at that yardage, your ballistic program is telling you, yep, that yard is seven and a half mils. Right, that's truing it. Uh, there's a thousand different podcasts telling you how to do that if you don't know how to do that. Um, but uh, see which one the user interface you like best. My favorite user interface of all of them is Shrelock Pro. That is my favorite user. I like it even better than the Hornady one. Now, the Hornady interface with the Kestrel, well, it's less like the Hornady app and more like a Kestrel interface, right? So uh, you connect through via Bluetooth on your phone, um, and then you enter in the data, the profile, you send the profiles over from your phone, and then boom. Uh, but so you're basically, I, I'm not a big fan of Hornady. It's, it's doable, and I get it, and it's got some cool features. I'm not a huge fan of the user interface of the Hornady app on a phone. It, you, some people love it and prefer it. That's fine. Uh, and I'm not saying it sucks or anything. I'm just saying for me, my favorite on a phone is Shrelock Pro. Um, that's pretty much good enough for ballistics. Accessories, okay? Things that you'll need that isn't may not be on your gun or, you know, a scope other than your scope, your bag, obviously, other accessories. Um, these aren't, some, some of these are not things that you have to have, but if you're wanting to get what is going to help you the most, then these are things that you might want to look at getting. Um, I'm going to start with belts because I have recently made a new purchase. So I have, you can either go have a really good normal belt like you would wear just like regular clothes and then put your um, 
you know, clip your mag pouches for your magazine, spare magazines on that belt. I know tons and tons. I did it forever. I still do it. If I forget my other shit, I just throw those my old mag holsters on uh, on my belt. And and now that I've got what I've got, and I'll go over that. I'm still going to keep one of those mag holsters in case for some reason I do a bonehead move and forget my uh, my web belt. Uh, and I could still carry a spare mag. So that, that's, that mag holster will stay in my pack, even though it's not being used, um, for that reason. Cause I am a retard and I am prone to do retarded shit. Um, but yeah, another, uh, a cheaper exterior belt option. Now you can have like your belt to keep your pants up and then have an exterior belt that just goes over top of that. That's loose. Um, that kind of goes up and down. It's just around your waist and around, around the outside of your normal belt. Um, like Armageddon gear has got an option for that. They've got a belt. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's tons of those as well, but look at Armageddon gear. I have, I have one of those as well. Um, that's a route to go, but I wanted a dedicated two part where you've got the inner belt and the outer belt that Velcros to it that has Molly um, that shit's not going to move. You put it where you want it, set it up, and then it stays the same no matter what. There's a number of those as well. I have, uh, I have one, I'm trying to remember what brand it is that I have that I keep that's not for match use. It's got literal pistol and AR mag pouches on it with loaded AR and pistol mags in it for right with my chest carrier that also has more pistol and um, AR mag uh, mags on it. Uh, that's my holy shit. What the fuck is going on here? Let's let's go drop bodies. That's that setup, and it has it does not have an inner and an outer belt, but it is an outer belt that's padded that fits really good over a normal belt. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's my, be my first go-to for a match setting, um, but you could, but I don't remember the name of it, so I'm not even going to worry about it. But the one that I just picked up, because I have shot with Phil, uh, 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 Phil Vallejo a few times, and I've always liked, that's a nice fucking belt. Like, I like the way he's got that set up. His, his, his mag holders, his uh, dump pouch, which I've never run a dump pouch before, but I've seen the the uh convenience of having a dump pouch and i like that belt and i asked him which one it was and he said it was the ronin tactical uh shooter's belt now they don't offer that one anymore they discontinued it because they replaced it with what's called the shuto belt um s-h-u-t-o it's a it was like a 200 belt system and i was like i'm fucking getting it it's the top of line one that you can get and i've done a lot of research on them that's the one i'm going to suggest for the gucci guy who wants to go and buy the best right this is not for the guy who's pinching pennies it's not um and then there's a number of different uh, companies for accessories for um mag holsters for dump pouches the dump pouch one i mean what can be in a dump pouch just pick one you find that's cheap and you like and goes to the belt interface that you're going to use, whether it be regular belt loops that goes over like your, your everyday wear belt or just over an exterior belt that you're wearing that's loose on you or one that goes into Molly. That's what you need to get. Get one that fits that. And then you've got mag holsters. You've got a ton of them. You've got 
Armageddon gear. You've got short action customs. Um, I'm trying to remember the one that I'm using now for my AW mags because honestly, the AW mag holster market is a lot uh, less than AICS mags, right? So AICS, there's a thousand mag holder companies. You got um, C um, CW Customs. I've got one of those that you that works for my AW AICS and my ARC mag. So it uses fits all of them. Um, you got pad gear. Tad gear is a soft mag pouch. It's got a, uh, elastic loop that goes over the top of it to secure it in there. I almost went with that. If these don't work out, I haven't shot a match with these yet. If I'm not a big fan of these, these hold just retention. Uh, the ones that I've got, um, then, uh, I'm probably going to end up going with either that one or uh, the new short action customs AW mags uh, mag holders they've got. Those are really cool as well. Uh, those are a Kydex. So you've got Kydex, Kydex, and then you've got Kydex inner shells with a soft Cordura outer shell. And then you've got a soft Cordura, all like the whole thing is soft, like the tab gear. Um, you've got, I mean, a number of different ones. The ones that I've used now, the. Um, um let's see stand by i'm gonna go grab one hold on one second all right all right cwc um the name is honestly i left me i forgot well yeah I don't know what it is. Uh, they are really the one that I have. It is um, it is a a nice mag holster. It's Kydex. I love it. I've never had a mag fall out except now they have a different. When I ordered it, it didn't offer it, but now they do. They have a different. Um, there's two bolts that there's actually three bolts. There's one that's the, the crossbar in the middle. That is the base of the bottom of the mag. And then there's the two that hold together in the tension and you screw it as tight or loose as you want for the type of tension you want. I've had you know, one or two of the screws back out and he has a new option for that. Also, you could just blue Loctite it or red Loctite it, right? You get it where you want it and Loctite it and it going nowhere. I lost one during a match. So what I did was I had a, um, a zip tie and I just put it back to the top one that fell out because there's no telling where it went um, I had uh, I used a black zip tie and it's still zip tied it, I haven't changed it because it um, wash holy shit left me wash customs all right that's that's it uh, wash customs look that up um, it is a uh, it's a great mag mag pouch um and if you uh, mag holster and they've got different clip options as well they have uh um ones for like a like a normal belt like i have like it's just like a big wide clip it's like a two inch clip maybe um and then they have a, a molly clip they've got a um i forgot what the other clip is called but um it's a uh, you know, for different type belts is whatever belt system you want. It is, uh, they've got the clip for you. It's washcustom.com. W-A-L-S-H, custom defense, but it's W-A-L, 
shcustom.com. And they've got, you know, some, they've got a bunch of good stuff. They got good ammo binders. That's another thing. I would, hell, I wasn't even going to bring up that ammo binder. Where are you going to carry ammo in? Um, I've got a, the uh, Walsh has one, a good one. Um, they've got a big one. They've got multiple different sizes for how much ammo you want to take. Uh, you've got Coltac. They've got one. Tab Gear's got one. Uh, Rifles Only, I think, has got one. There's a number of different ammo binders out there. Could get you an ammo binder. You need something instead of if you're shooting factory ammo, it sucks carrying around, uh, you know, a bunch of boxes of ammo going through it. You can do that, and a lot of people, lot of people that do. But an ammo binder is awesome. Good money, well invested. Uh, that's enough for mag shit. Um, data cards. I know people who use blue painter's tape and wrap it around their arm and use a black Sharpie and write their dope on it. And they have kicked my ass up and down the uh, range. There's people who do that. They say, fuck it, I'm not spending the money on that. Um, but then there's people that go a little bit above beyond that. Now, you have two options. You have on your wrist or on your rifle. On your rifle, the one that I have found that I like the best is the Coltac data board. Um, or Coltac. I forgot what it's called. It's on Coltac com or Col just Google Coltac. Um, it's a bungee that has a, a, a closed loop, and then it's a, got a um, a little uh, buckle that you put it around the uh, scope tube, and then throw that buckle through the closed loop, and then it's on there. It has a PVC data card that has Velcro on the back. Then it has a web, a piece of webbing that has the um, other side of the Velcro. Move it around, turn it each way. Take the data card off from the Velcro, write it on there with a dry erase uh, marker for one stage, wipe it off, write your next stage on there. It's great. There's a few others. Um, the E-Dope card. Um, there's, I mean, hell, you could even go as far as getting the Applied Ballistics um, HUD, the Kestrel HUD. Um, that's, that's a little much, but I know people who do that. Uh, if you're going to go wrist option, You've got a number of different ones. You've got uh, one from Academy Sports that's meant for football. Um, uh, uh, play um, uh, wrist coach. Uh, put you some cards in there. You've got um, Coltac. Coltac has a, got a really good one. Um, I have a Sunrise Tactical one that I like. I like, and it's got an option of having an, an extra page. It's got like basically three pages of stuff that you can put in. They're all Velcro tight. It's got a plastic, clear plastic cover, rainproof, whatever. You can put a blank card inside of it and then use a dry erase marker to write over the white background, wipe it off, or uh, you can do a combination of that. You can do your stage dope on the outside written with a marker on the outside of it with the white background you can do a three by five on the inside of it with your dope on it um, for the stage and then if you want flip it open and you can have hard dope where like oh shit i got the wrong data what's the yardage uh, it's 775 you can then look at your dope and i'm i'm going to start doing that um, the, i think i mentioned uh the modern day sniper class that i took up in pig river one of the most simple things that I took away that I think is one of my favorite things I took away is how Kalen, uh, does big Woj does his data board on his arm for anything, uh, with yardage and then his stage dope card. So hard dope on the inside out to whatever distance that you'll be shooting in 20 yard increments. And there's a reason I asked him why not 25. He said that he just found that 20 left a lot less holes in the uh, yardage with your dope. 
than 25. I was like, well, who am I to argue? Um, and then how he broke down his stage dope card. That is something that um, I, my favorite, I think my favorite thing that I took from that class, as simple as it was, so much information, but I think that is one of the simple things that I could take that I could implement day one and it helped me, period, without doing anything. It takes no skill or no practice. It's literally so simple, but yet could uh, prevent a lot of headache on a stage. Um, and it gives me more try it again it gives me more information that um i could need per, for that stage but yet still not be confusing while on the clock and heart rate up and whatever um the less things you can think about on a stage the better um but um yeah sunrise tactical that is actually i got that um from him i asked him all right so i know how you do data cards i want to know what risk coach you have and that's a sunrise tactical and it is a pricier one it's like 80 bucks or something like that um, but I, I can't wait to use it. I haven't used it yet or my, my new belt yet. Um, but I'm going to get back on that at the end of the podcast because it's something I want to announce. Um, let's see. Uh, now, other things, batteries for your Kestrel, um, batteries for anything that else that runs on battery, right? Have those batteries with you. A grease pencil for when it, if it rains. Have a um, multiple colored pencils uh, or pens uh, or even Sharpies to use for dope to mean different things. Um, whether, whether it's your wind hold versus is one color versus your, uh, vertical, uh, correction being another color versus the yardage, um, or target or, uh, uh, target order be a different color. So three colors will pretty much cover everything you need. That's something to think about. That's nothing that you have to do. That's something that I have learned will help. And that's one other thing that, um, Kalen helped, um, show me the benefit of um i've always done two colors three colors throw something else in there that can make things a lot less confusing uh potentially um uh what else um i'm trying to think of just other random shit that you could have that um that you may need i could go break out my pack right now but i mean i, I pretty, pretty much covered everything um you know have a pen a regular my suggestion have an ink pen this is bare minimum Ink pen, grease pencil, Sharpie. Maybe dry erase if you're using going that route, the dry erase. Um, something that I have, um, if you're going with one of the the mounted to your, the non-electronic uh, data board, there's a bunch of different ones. Let's say you go with the Coltac one that I've got. And um, you're worried about maybe a rifle, the, the dry erase marker getting rubbed off on that PVC card. And then you don't have your dope for the stage. An option for that is something I found at like Staples or Office Depot. Uh, There's a company um, named Avery, uh, A-V-E-R-Y, that's going to be in like the name, as they are, their name tags, right? Uh, Or like shipping label tags. Get the one that is the size appropriate for the card that you have. And they come in a pack of like 100 with three on each sheet, right? So three stickers uh, on each sheet. Write your dope for the stage in pen or mark or whatever you're going to do on that. Unpeel it from the backing. Stick it to your data card. Next stage, either peel that one off or put the next stage right over top of it, whichever you prefer. That's an option. I've mentioned it before, and you know this is a perfect time to, to bring that back up. Something I found that worked out very well. I'm going to keep my Coltac, the, um, 
uh, data card uh, for my scope in my pack. I'm going to run my um, my wrist coach from here on out, I think, uh, but I will have both in case for some odd reason. Like, if it's a simple stage, like, being honest, looking at, looking at it hanging off the side of your scope where you don't have to come off the rifle is a lot faster than on your wrist turning, like, kind of coming off the uh taking out of your sight picture and looking at your wrist it is does take more time to do that um so if it's like a one stage one excuse me, one stage with one target and i've got multiple wind calls i'm going to probably use that and then because that it's enough room for information for my dope for that target in case my boneheaded ass forgot to dial it on i've got it written on there i've got the yardage i've got the, the vertical correction and then i've got three wind calls um, I can fit all that on that, and then that, you know, it's one target. Made multiple positions, one target. I have all the info I need on that, and it's a quicker glance at it. Um, so I'm going to run both. Um, but primarily, especially if it's multiple targets, multiple different uh, distances, I'm going to run it on my wrist coach from here on out. Um, the next will be clothing. Clothing doesn't sound like something that matters, but um, when you're thinking about it, but it really does. Um, depending on where you are in the country or where you are in the world, your weather, you know your weather. Um, make sure you've got as much that you can to keep yourself dry um, when it's wet, warm when it's cold, and you know obviously you don't need all that when it's hot as balls outside. Uh, when it's hot as balls outside, which it definitely gets here in the southeast. Um, I like to run wear like shorts and then like a pair of uh, like got some these soft uh, gel inside of neoprene rip off knee pads that they have the two straps around the back. I don't wear them on stages that I don't need to get on my knee, but I do when it's a stage that I need to get down on my knees. Right. Um, no one likes having rocks or shit shoved in their kneecap with all their weight on it. Um, have those in your pack. Um, my pants that I wear during when it's not, you know, Africa hot, uh, all the pants that I have are, um, have knee pads. Um, and my favorite ones are the UF pro striker pants, the striker HT pants. They have zippers to unzip to vent and it's hot as crap outside. Well, if it gets warm, um, and they're super rugged, uh, I've yet to even get a single catch in them to where they're ripping, uh, and then they've got nice knee pads built into them. Um, they've got different knee pad options like that you slide on the inside. Um, a hard knee pad, a soft knee pad, whichever you prefer. Um, now, you know, Cry, the Cry G3s have been pretty much the uh, the gold standard. Um, I don't own a pair of Cry. I got some Cry knockoffs, and they work okay. Um, and I wear those some. Uh but uh, the cries are really good pants as well. That I think they've probably had more propensity to rip with under heavy use than the the striker. I mean the uh, the UF Pro pants are. Either of those pants are not cheap. Okay, um, and then you've got Stone Glacier, which is more of a hunting brand, um, an out west hunting brand. I think they have a kind of like a built up. Pat, um, I, guess, I don't want to call it cushioning, but maybe kind of a cushioning. It's a thicker on the knees to where, you know, maybe if you're not on rocks, but, you know, you're still on hard ground, it would still help you, but it's not as protective as, like, a knee pad would be. But soup, their stone glaciers are super expensive, um, but they're obviously equally 
quality for the price. Um, and then warm shit, uh, you know, merino wool is great for cold. Um, it, it wicks way better than anything else. Uh, cotton is definitely your fucking enemy in the, uh, in the cold. Um, uh, gloves, make sure you got go- the gloves that I, uh, recommend for shooting, whether you're wearing them and then taking them off to shoot or wearing them while you're shooting are a company called Pigskin. They are, um, they have two different versions. One is more like a utility. Um, they're very thin, very tight fitting, um, and they're pretty tactile and you can shoot in those all day long. And then they have a thicker, more for cold weather version that are, um, I mean, obviously that they're thicker and they are very warm for what they are, but yet they're still shootable. You can still shoot. Now, mind you, if you it ain't that cold, you know, take the, the, your firing hand glove off and just run your bare hand. Um, but if it's just that damn cold and miserable, I have no problem shooting with these, uh, gloves on. But uh, they're really cool gloves. Um, if not, if you're okay with just hey, getting some warm gloves and then uh, taking them off the shoot, and then do that. Just keep some warm fucking gloves. You know, you can get those at damn Walmart. Um, uh, clothes uh, when it's warm. Also, I'm a big fan of like the uh, UV protecting hoodies that are long sleeve. Um, you know, I've shot matches in a cut off sleeve T-shirt, and guess what? I got fucking burnt. Um, but you know, uh, it was very airy. The little wind we had definitely got in and felt good. Um, but the, you know, long sleeve hooded UV, you know, like hook, or there's a thousand different of those. One that I'm just came across this year and I'm a huge fan of is a fly fishing, um, uh, brand called, uh, free fly. Um, they are pretty pricey too. They're like 80 bucks a piece. And I got them really for fishing, but then I was like, well, fuck, I can wear these shooting matches too. Um, and I've got three different ones. Uh, I got one for Christmas from my uh, in-laws and I um, uh, love it. Uh, I wear them even when I'm like just every day when it's just cold enough to need long sleeves, but it's not cold, cold. I wear them every day, you know? Uh, so that's something to look into as well. Um, take sunscreen as well if it's hot and sunny in summertime. I'm at near the tail end of this. Now, uh, I got three things left I want to touch on. I'm I'm fucking over two hours into this, guys, and I'm sorry, but um, I'm hoping this is helping. Uh, Tripods, okay? If you're going to go cheap, the cheapest I would suggest is the the Pig Saddle brand or Hog Saddle brand, the 0311 tripod. I suggest that only for a spotter or binos. That's not going to be a good shooting tripod. If you're in the southeast, you're not going to be shooting off tripods much anyway. Um, I have one. I've shot. I've taken it on many a matches, and uh, for what it does, what purpose is for, if it feels it great. Um, it's lightweight, and it fucking holds up a pair of binos and a spotter. If you want the not so cheap but high quality. I mean, look no further than two vets um, tripods. I had uh, Dan on uh, a couple episodes ago, and uh, I thought it was a killer episode. He is an awesome guy, um, cool company. You talk about a grinder, he fucking grinds. Um, and uh, he has, I mean, top-level quality tripods, but not top-level price. That's going to be your mid 
when I say mid-tier, I don't mean quality. I mean mid-tier as far as your price, okay? Um, they are outsourced. They're not made here in America, and we've explained that. And back to that episode about Everly Stock that I talked about, he goes into detail. Now, mind you, he refuses to to deal with China, but he, uh, you know, he said for the clothing stuff, Korea is going to be the place that anybody gets their shit made from on a large scale, and it's high quality shit. They're the people; they're the best in the world at it. The Koreans have like fucking they've mastered the the soft goods zipper shit, and whether it be packs or stuff like that, Korea is the place to go. Uh, Vietnam as well. Um, in fact, most time it's a Korean company that's based out of Vietnam. Um, but that's going to be your mid-budget option, but you're not going to lose anything as far as quality on that tripod uh, from two vets. And then obviously, you know, the gold standard with tripods um, is also gold standard price is um, going to be really right stuff. They have models. They have a bunch of models that fit about any type of shooting you're going to use it's a former camera company that then took on a like their soar which i forgot what the acronym stood for but it's basically shooting dedicated tripods um ball heads accessories i mean i've got a really right stuff arca mount on all every tribe i mean every uh, bipod that i have um and they've got tons of attachments for that they're not just tripods uh, and tripod accessories there also a lot of shooting accessories as well um, but you're going to pay a premium for it i mean they are the the gucci price um, you know that's that's a route to go as well if that's what you're looking to do um, that's i mean as far as i, I guess i need to go because they're really only you know guys in town of the three that i mentioned of um, i know there's a colorado tripod company as well i know dickus about them uh talk to frank galley to find out more i don't even know if they're even making bipods and selling them yet but i know they're going to um uh binos okay this is another loaded one um a good budget option would be um, uh, fuck i don't even know much about the budget ones um i know athlon has i think they've got a chronos um binocular maybe um I know uh, you've got the Vortex. Um, the Vortex has multiple different ones. The Khabib, I think the Habibs, or I forgot what the fuck they're called. They are a good mid-tier. Um, they've got 18 power, which I like that 18 power. I'll get the mine um, in a second. I, uh, I wish mine were 18 power. Mine are 15. And that's like a kind of a standard high mag on binos is 15. They actually have an 18. I think I would like the 18s uh, for what my intended use is. Um, but those are a good option. Then you've got Vortex. Um, their HDs. Their HDs are nice. Um, uh, the Vortex HDs glass is really good glass. Um, that's an option. And then you, oh, we can get into laser. I'm not even going to get into laser uh, range finder binoculars. You can, that's another episode. I'm just talking about, I'm trying to look at uh, impacts. I'm trying to watch trace. I'm trying to see misses. I'm, you know, I'm trying to watch for wind and watch for wind changes. That's what I'm looking for. Um, most 99% of PRS matches are going to have the yardage. And 99% of the time, the yardage is going to be correct. But it ain't a bad idea to have a laser 
to do that. Um, the problem is with laser rangefinder binoculars are most of them are 10 or 12 power. If you want more power than your SOL um, with laser rangefinders. Uh, so now I have the um, Meopta Meostar B1s 15 power. And I'll tell you, that's as close to the top tier that you're going to get without paying a top tier price. Um, and Cameraland, New York, Cameraland NY, I think is .com is the website. Doug over there is going to give you the absolute best price you're going to find on those. So shout out to Doug. Um, these, you will get these and you will not find a single thing you don't like about them. I have them. I love them. They are for the price you pay for them. I think I, they're like, I think I pay like $1,100 from him for them. Uh, amazing. Um, and then your, you know, Gucci ones are going to be the one you find most is going to be Swarov, Swarovski SLCs. Um, that's going to be those. I think there's maybe even one step above them or maybe one step below them from Swarov. Um, you got Leica Geovids. Um, there's a number of different um, binocular brands out there that you can go with. Um, those are go, those are going to be your top tier Gucci brands. Um, and then uh, EarPro, okay? You can go as cheap as some walkers. Um, you, hell, you can go as some cheap as some, uh, you know, regular foamies. I don't recommend those. You can't hear uh, impacts as well. You can't hear directions from the RO, the Stage Mom RO. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got, uh, let's see, you got like some cheap, if you want, um, electronic EarPro, which I do suggest going with. You got as cheap as like some walkers that are like sub 50 bucks. Um, and then uh, you can get those that you can either order them off of Bass Pro. Multiple websites have them. I have a pair that lasted for a while and then now they're just dead. No matter, ain't batteries. But I mean, shit, for the price that I paid for the ones that I use now, I could have bought four or five sets of these. Um, and they do make, I will suggest this if you're going over the ear, Look to see if before you buy them, if you can find online somewhere that they have a gel cup replacement for the earpiece because the regular foam with the vinyl covering will hurt. By the end of the day, your ear is fucking killing you. Um, so I would suggest going with, uh, and they do make those for the um, uh, walkers and uh, multiple other ones. And then you've got, um, you know, there's a number of different really nice ones. Um, yeah, Impacts, or does Walker make Impact? No, Impact Sport. I think that's the name of it. That's the ones that I have is gel cups on Impacts. They're like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, and uh, I'm looking at them. Honeywell, uh, Howard Howard Late or Howard Light or whatever you want to spell his name. L-E-I-G-H-T. Uh, that's the cheap ones that I've got with the... Uh, cups the uh, gel cups and i know cl's got some walkers that he's used um and then you've got in the air stuff esps are going to be the super expensive when you can get some that are sixteen hundred dollars um that use hearing aid batteries that are molded to fit your ear um in the ear and they are going to be the the cat's pajamas um and then i have i have a set of peltor compact threes that I use now that are over the ear that I love. Um, 
I have a set of MSA Sordans, Supreme Pros or whatever, and those are also going to be your typical everything is compared to. Um, I don't run them in matches anymore. Uh, I did have the wire that, not the wire, like the metal wire that connects to the actual ear muff itself that is the adjustable. It came out. I was like, what the fuck? These are 300 and something dollars. Um, I had to use electrical tape to get it back right. And I still have them and I have them that are on my, well, they're right there with my shit hit fan shit, my plate carrier and my other web belt. Um, but, uh, you know, they're really good. The electronics really good. The sounds really good. They make gel cups for those as well. Um, they got different headband options. Um, I just really enjoy my uh, Peltor Compact 3s. Now, they've got multiple ones now. They've got up to Compact 7s they're about to come out with, or have just come out with. Uh, they have all different capabilities. If you don't need comms, you're cool with the MK, with the, with the Compact 3s, uh, go with those. Um, the Compact 3s have been another industry standard. Um and they've been through all the tier one units until they've upgraded to the Nita comms. And the, even the even the Compact 3s, I believe, had the old style comms um, capabilities. Mine do not. You don't have to buy them with that, so you don't have to pay extra for them. And then, I, well, the, the verdict is still out on the Compact TEP300 in the ear, electronic ear pro that I've got. Um, I'm sure after I shoot um, a match with those, I will uh, I'll do an update on that. I'm really, I don't wear a toboggan when it's cold because to keep my ears warm because my contact threes do that. And I'm thinking I'm going to try these at least one day, the, the TEP 300s to say that I use them, see if I like them. But in the colder months and colder matches, I think I'm still going to run my over the ear protection, um, the contact threes. And then the summer months where it's hot as, you know, Satan's ball bag, that's when I'll switch to, the in the ear shit assuming that they're all kosher and i like them um but guys i'm gonna tell you this especially if you're shooting brake rifles and not a suppressor your hearing is when it's gone it's gone um i you can ask my wife you can ask cl jeff anybody who spends time with me i can't hear shit um i worked on f-15s on jet engines um i was underneath jet engines as they were running um, every day, um, if you don't know what it sounds like with the air coming in the inlet and then blowing through the, um, augmenter liner, um, that high pitch squealing sound, um, the shit, I mean, I probably have a lawsuit with 3M that I could jump in on, um, because I have, I failed my hearing test when I got out of the air force. I didn't claim any disability from it. I didn't want to be that. I could hear you talk, so I didn't claim disability. But I, I failed my hearing test, and um, I have tinnitus, and I know damn well that shooting brake rifles has not helped at all. It is important to make sure you take care of your hearing. Um, sight can be corrected as long as like vision, vision correction. That's a thing. There ain't much hearing correction out there, and you don't want to lose that. I'm trying to cling on to the hearing that I have now. You may find that you made to double up on ear pro, like using foamies and over the ear protection. Um, that's not a bad idea um, for longevity of your hearing. Um, but 
guys, those are your options of things that I know of. And I'm sure if you want to talk about breaks, look, look, no, there's a bunch of different breaks out there. And this is another good people are going to think, no, mine's better. You, there's a bunch of different breaks. A lot of the breaks today, any of the ones you see on guys rifles out there are going to mitigate recoil. I just so happen to greatly believe in and love all of my breaks that I've had from gen one to current ones. Now from Patriot Valley arms, um, go get you a jet blast, a jet four or a shockwave. Or if you've got a big tapered barrel, like a straight taper, get the Avenger. I'm a big fan of that. If you've got a, a, a bastard, a little bastard, an APA, a, a, a heathen, they're all, they all work. Um, and they all cost about the same. The, even the 419s, I don't know what they cost. A lot of people love the 419 brakes. Um, I'm just, a, it's my flavor of tea, uh, of PVA um, brakes. I've been there from day one, and um, I believe in those brakes. I've felt the difference. So, um yeah, brakes are going to be one of those things. You just pick what you want. Um, but guys, um, that about does it. But that does bring me to the end of the podcast that I want to bring up for the new shooter. There is going to be a giveaway for you guys on this episode. I have a Coltac, the newest, latest, and greatest Coltac. Um, God damn it. I'm glad I don't work for Coltac or sponsored by them because I would be doing them a total disjust injustice right now. I have their arm board, right? So their wrist, wrist coach, you've got the top clear side, you've got it, open it up, you've got a bottom side clear side, and then you've got what's connected to your arm, like the, the fabric that's on your arm. You've got another clear side, so you could run one, two, three cards on this. It is black multicam, brand new, never worn, never been out of this reloading room since it came out of the box. I'm giving it away to one lucky new shooter. Okay. There's no way for me to verify how many matches you shot. You could have shot 500 matches and I would not know, but this is going to be an honor system. What I want you to do is to comment in the Podbean app or whatever app you're on. Hopefully it's Podbean. That way, at least I know I'll see them. I don't know that I'll see them in any other app. Comment in the Podbean app and uh, or whatever app you're on. I want to know where you're from, like name. Your first name's fine, but first or last name. Where you're from how many matches you shot or none at all one three you need a, a risk coach now if you've I, I ask you if you have been shooting matches for a long time or at least a whole year and you've got all the shit you need or you've got a risk coach that like oh i just want the new one don't don't do it I mean, I could say everybody and then get more comments that'd be better for me but just for the sake of the the listeners if you are a newer shooter and you need a, a better way of having your dope or um, stage dope uh, for stage, I want to know your name, where you're from, how many matches you shot, and then uh, I will get this to you. Um, and I'm going to throw in some stickers, a koozie, and a cool two-inch just F and send it logo um, patch, Velcro patch. Um, I got a handful of those that I want to give out to people. 
So do that, and you've got, uh, I don't know how I'm going to pick it randomly, I guess, and um, somebody's getting it. So um, you know what? I tell you what. There's going to be, there's going to be two giveaways. What else I want to give away of mine? Hmm. How about, okay, I got it. I have, and I will let, if I choose you, I will let you pick. All right. There's two giveaways. You've got the arm board that I want for the new shooters. And then the other giveaway for anybody else. I don't care who you are. You can enter in this. You will get a swag pack. I'll give you a koozie, two stickers, and a patch. And I will give you your choice of a uh, red, which is remembered, everyone deployed, is what red is acronym. And it is a color red. It's red and white trucker hat, uh, vortex trucker hat. Your choice of that hat, a, um, a black cryptic accuracy national hat um or what else do i got i want to give away Mm, yeah them two hats uh your choice between them two hats and uh just i just just to give you something and then the the just haven't sent it shit um so yeah comment say same shit if you've got 20 matches under your belt say that and you're gonna get if i pick you you're gonna get a hat and some swag shit so anyway Guys, this one is two and a half hours solo, so hopefully you're still with me, and as always, if you are still with me, I owe you a fucking beer, um, and I am good on, for that. If you're ever with me, I always have beer. If you meet me at a match or a, a class or whatever, I've always got beer with me, so I owe you a beer. Um, so if you come up to me and say, hey, David, you owe me a beer, I'm going to give you a beer So until I'm out, even if it's the one I'm drinking. So, guys, appreciate it. Thanks for support. This one went long. I hope you, uh, I hope it didn't kill you. Um, but I got a, a good episode that I know is going to be shortly after the first of the year, an in-person episode with the one and only Andy Slade. Talked with him for about an hour today. We got some cool shit coming up uh, to talk about, some training shit, some mammoth. It'll be right after he shoots Mammoth. Um, him and Ben Fleener are teaming up. I'm calling right now. They're fucking winning. Uh, those two guys, everyone else might as well stay home. Andy Slade and Ben Fleener are winning that uh, that match. Um, and then we've got some amazing, cool shit that everyone in the country is going to love and petition want to participate in. So stay tuned for that one, guys. Appreciate it. 